All right, B&B fans, business episode uh, with Mr. Zach Batson. I appreciate you coming in. Excited to have you. Very happy to be here. Um, we'll get into the story of how we met first. Um, really, just at Smartsheet, the company that I'm currently working for, I got to be a part of a leadership management training program that Smartsheet had started. And Zach was one of my mentors. Obviously, we were acquainted as you were a manager on the floor. You know, I've, I've met you and seen seen you do your thing a little bit on the floor, uh, but was able to get closer, shadow some of your guys' meetings and just have some one-on-ones with you talking about life and professional you know, experiences and whatnot. So that's really how we met. And I guess if you want to speak anything there. No, I, I just, uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm here. And I, I think it, yours, it was when you invited me on the show, it was really, really cool because I'm, I'm, you were talking about this for a while. And I'm like, I think it's just really, really cool. I always uh, have a special place in my heart for people who follow through on things that they say. So um, it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. I mean, if I were to sum up the, what I know of Zach Batson, it's kind of like a Swiss Army knife. You're a little bit into everything. I, um, uh, you talked to me about your you know, side hustles and entrepreneurship experiences and somebody yeah. that is in a pretty successful position to you know pursue your own personal goals and ambitions that always intrigued me and i've always just you have that you know uh contagious energy and attitude so i definitely wanted to hear your story and like i said i'll probably learn more about you today than i would have years of working with you so absolutely it's funny you say that there's a part of me that feels a little bit self-conscious because i do happen to uh you know, it's squirrel, squirrel. You know? <laughs> I definitely have a little bit of squirrel syndrome, but I think uh, we, might, we might get into why. Uh, okay, <laughs> sounds good. A little bit. Well, before we jump in, uh, going to talk about Field Supplements. Obviously, everybody knows Field Supplements, the sponsor here at uh, Business and Buckets. Really, especially with COVID, health is wealth. You know, keep your immune system strong, reduce cortisol, detoxify your body on a cellular level, relieve chronic joint pain, and increase your overall energy and vitality with Fueled Supplements. Fueled Multivitamins and Fueled Greens is the immunity combo your body needs to be and stay at your best. You can always make more money, but you can't always get back your health. I know for me, I've been taking that very uh, seriously through COVID and getting my routines on track. Start today and save a little cash while you invest in yourself and uh, invest in your future by using code BUCKETS for 20% off any product line. Again, that's 20% off, not five like you see on these all these Instagram, not 10. We got 20% off for the whole Fueled Supplements uh, product line. How about you, Zach? Are you, you using any supplements or got any healthy routines going on through you know, COVID and what, what we're living in these days? You know, I actually, so I, I, did, I have cut back my drinking a lot. And I will say, you know a supplement I love? Milk thistle. Okay. You ever had milk thistle? I haven't, but it's, I've heard of it. What, it's, what's it's, the benefit oh, for par- you? Apparently, it's like a root, uh, and it's like some sort of a part. Of, I think it's part of the. I could be wrong. The, part of the valerian root, essentially, helps uh, your liver detoxify quicker. So, it, but it's not just for alcohol. But if you are going to have a night of drinking, if you're going to Vegas, highly recommend milk thistle. It comes in like every single brand. So I don't have a specific brand to shout out. Shout out, but huge on that. But no, my wife actually got me hooked on uh, uh, Juice Plus lately. I've been enjoying those supplements a little bit, but you know, I, other than that, I just try to drink a lot of really good water. You know? So a lot of cleansing going on there. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny speaking of supplements, there are some really good, I feel like now more than ever, we have access to so much more information, but it seems like rather than having things to like, uh, uh, you know, it, it's almost like you're, we're trying to live more of like a balanced life. And I think that's why I think we like a lot of supplements. I, uh, I, have you ever heard of, a? Uh, 
uh, looked at water. Have you looked at that water quality episode from Down to Earth Mm-mm. with Zac Efron? I haven't. I haven't checked out that Netflix, yeah. but uh, it looks very intriguing. Well, for sure. it, and it's crazy. Apparently, a lot, a lot of, uh, um, you know, I looked at like water and how it impacts your body in terms of levels of pH and things like that. But I mean, I, we can go on that forever, though. But if you get, if you want, we can talk chat about that later. But apparently, a lot of water has uh, various pH levels in it. And the higher the pH, it's actually better for our body's alkalinity. It's kind of crazy. I have heard of that. You get some of those different water brand types. Uh, it's not body armor, I don't think, but there's a, a good water that has different alkaline pH level water. Um, I don't know all the science behind it, but it makes me feel better when I drink it. Just the mental clarity. I think a lot of it's a lot of this, you know, supplementing is a lot of <laughs> what you put to your mind, right? Oh, I feel better when I do this, and you're obviously feeling better. Oh, this mm-hmm. is shit. I'm gonna feel like crap. Well, then you'll probably feel like crap. But I think that has a lot to do with it. But yeah. hey, I mean, I know water is the biggest thing for me. I got my little water buddy here of how much water I have to drink per day, mm-hmm. and the right supplements depending on your diets, the way you get, you know. A lot of people are in these fashion. We got uh, anabolic fasting. You got, yes, um, <laughs> you got, you know, being a vegetarian, but different sorts of vegetarian. So when you're doing those things, you got to yeah. supplement the things that you're not getting as well. Uh, but hey, I mean, it's uh, it's important to be healthy these days through all the hard times we're going through. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna have you pull this in just about right, four it. more inches. Let's do it, baby. And if you need to pop this back, perfect. Boom. Perfect. Now. Um, We'll stick on this before we we start jumping into the Zach Batson story. All right. I guess through COVID, have you? I mean, you're working remote, correct? Yes, I am. I actually, I, I have a, I built. We have a three bedroom Rambler. It's about twelve hundred square feet. We're looking at expanding it, of course. But while I'm working from home, you got to imagine two kids at the twelve hundred and fifty square feet. I think. Rambler. And what ages? Uh, eight and five. Oh. Uh, Carnegie and Chamberlain. My son's Carnegie daughter is Chamberlain. We like last names, her first names apparently, but we didn't have any space and like, you know, they're, they're homeschooling. So no joke, I had to have my dad come over and we built a office in my garage and uh, I have to have, have a heater in there, but I put, I pimped it out with lights and I have like styrofoam foam in there. I got a soundproof. I had put like a brand new floor. I put a flat screen. It's like my little man cave. It's, it's awesome. It's pretty amazing, yeah. And it's it's in the garage, so it's fully disconnected from the rest of the house. I, it's amazing. I love it. You'll have to send out some photos. Oh, it's it's, <laughs> it's so sick. Yeah, it's sick. Um, and then <clears throat> with that, I mean, obviously your day to days changed from pre COVID going into the office, commuting, those types of things. What are some of the things that you've noticed through this that you've enjoyed? Some of the benefits, and what are some of the things that's maybe disrupted you and your <clears throat> wife's <clears throat> lifestyle a little bit? You know. Uh, I was laid off right when COVID hit uh, from the new job I got. I was like, ah, it's bittersweet. And it was a great experience. Uh, as the one I left when I left the previous company where we worked together at. And uh, so I spent the entire summer um, intentionally not looking for a job. And I told my wife, you know what, let's go. I'm going to help her out with her, her uh, retail shop business online. So I did that. It was like, you know, part time. But, you know, one of the greatest gifts, I think, you know, I don't, I don't care who, who, you, who we talk to. Even when you look at your own lived experience, there's not a single time where you look back at how far you've come or a how much you've developed and grown as a person that didn't come on the backs of struggle, you know? And I look back at that and some of the benefits for me is like just, I mean, time with family, 
you know, I know it's, it's tough for a lot of people and a lot of people are tough because especially if they're home alone or they don't have their, I feel more isolated. But for me, in, in my own experience, I know a lot of people relate to this is, you know, I was getting up at 6 a.m., going to work, getting back at 5, 5.30, the kids would go to bed at like 7. And it was just kind of sad. And I think one of the biggest benefits is just being able to see them every single day and walk them to school and do all those little, sm- sm- you know, small things. And then it, you know, after a while, you like to have a little <laughs> bit of alone time too. And um, so, the, you know, that's been a struggle, which is why I had to create my own office. At first, I, I thought I can do it by working in the kitchen and have a good time. But, um, you know, it's... In, it's we all we're all lying to ourselves if we don't if if you're not aware of just the state of the world today and i think that it's it's we're all forced i think there's really two things you can do um over the last year with covid you could look outwardly and determine you know how you know and look for a change and everything else or you can look inwardly and see you know where that discomfort's coming from because i think what bugs me is going to be different than what bugs you and anyone else um so i think it's it's op- it's i feel like it feel like it's offering us another opportunity to grow again, you know, and that's, and you can't grow throughout, you know, without struggle. Um, so it's been, yeah, it's been a blessing and a curse at the same time. And how has it been with the children? I've always, you know, I have a, the, the, the biggest way I could relate is my cousins live up north in Seattle here and they have a five-year-old, like a nine-year-old and an early, you know, teenager. So I just kind of, you know, embody what they go through and I can probably relate, you know, I don't have children myself, but I feel like if I was a young kid going through Zoom school and the extroverted, you know, social person I am, it would definitely affect me. And especially if you're friends mm-hmm. and some families are different. And that's kind of a hard line to struggle with because it always seems to me like it leads to politics and all this other stuff. Yeah, so you don't want to really deal with it sometimes. Yep. You know, how have you been able to handle that with the kids and how have they adapted? You know, we're at that really, uh, I think we're fortunate. So I, it's tough because I, I, I know I come, I, I'm risking sounding naive to other people's, um, situation with different ages groups of kids, but I will say at a, of a five and eight year old, they're not that age yet where they're like they're desperate to see their friends every single day. They have they have some buddies. They do play dates prior to quote COVID things like that, but um, they still see me as like the king of the world. I'm still <laughs> literally the strongest man alive to them, and I think for that is it's been kind of magical because I think they, I've been I'm I'm very present to the fact that this is a very small window of time that I they they really look up to me. And I have a direct impact to make a difference in their lives. And um, so having it, it's tough because, you know, you don't have a lot of adult time. So we've been going on walks a lot more. But at the same time, you know, with Zoom life, I don't really. It's tough. I, I, I think it's it's hard to have the conversation because everything turns political these days. Right. And everything can be uh, taken off, taken the wrong way. But I, I would be remiss if I didn't at least acknowledge the the struggle or the the, you know, how would I say this? Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least bring up the fact that you can't ignore the longer, the impact it's still having on their lives. You know, even if you're being safe, you're trying to protect everybody, but you know, who gets to define safe as well? And I, 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 I still, I worry. I'd be lying if I told you I wasn't worried about the connections and social skills and, and being able to acclimate in, in settings uh, when you're dealing with bigger groups of people. You know, right now he listens to me, he listens to his mom, and that's about it. And mm-hmm. sure, we, we, see, we see the grandparents here and there, um, but, um, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I kind of wish, I wish he was kind of able to see a lot more kids these days, and, um, you know, that's, 
it's just there and I, and we'll, we'll see what happens with it. But, um, it's, I try not to over worry about things that I can't control. I'm just trying to control the controllables. Um, but yeah, it's definitely the whole zoom life. I'm definitely zoom fatigued. That's for sure. I'm glad we're doing this here and not over zoom. For yeah. Sure. Um, for me, I, I know that a lot of people do remote podcasting and, and interviewing, but the, the connection is just not the same. You know, we could have a drink and actually just not feel forced into something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, where on the uh, Skype, I can't really, yeah. you know, I could kind of read your body motions and language, but it's just not the same connection. I don't feel like we could provide the audience as much of an experience over zoom. Well, don't get me too deep. You know, don't get me too deep on uh, vibrational energy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll save that for the late night podcast, maybe. Yeah. All right. I think that's a good subject, though. Yeah. What what frequency are you, Shane? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. AB positive. Oh, skin. Um, so talking a little bit about routine, I, I'm not yeah. sure as a father with two kids, you can have too much of a routine. I'm sure it's different every day. But I know for me, like I had my routine commuting. You mm-hmm. kind of had to stick to it because of traffic, right? I live here in West Seattle. The bridge is down now. I haven't had to commute with that, thank goodness. But when the bridge was here, I had to leave at a certain time before traffic happened. If I didn't, I, I, I mean, my schedule is variable. I'm dependent on traffic and the way things are going. So I did things like go to the gym in Bellevue before work so that I could easily go to work and never had to worry about it. And I came home at a certain time to try to avoid traffic. Yep. Now I don't have traffic. I don't have the commute. I have more time back in my day. But I'm trying to use that time to build on this building blocks of Shane and, you know, set myself up successfully for the right energy, the right attitude every single day. And I'm really focusing on Mm -hmm. committing to that and making it consistent because I don't have as much disruption. It's just up to me to do it. Uh, But then I don't have anybody to hold me accountable. Right. Yep. It's like if, if I don't do it, then the only person that knows it didn't do it was Shane. That's what kids are for. They hold you accountable. Oh, 100%. oh my God. If you if you tell if you tell a five year old that you're going to do something, you're going to hear about it every 15 <laughs> minutes, man. I'm telling you. No, you said something that was the spot on. I think you, you it's up to you to do it. And I think, you know, we, we one thing that's kind of showed up um, for a lot of us is we start to realize the impact of our schedules that we've kind of. From a society, uh, from a structure of how our society is built in terms of going to work, the whole nine to five concept, and just the when you have a more of a moving culture, you are forced into certain um, routines. And I think one of the, the the things that was very confronting in the very beginning is people were kind of left to their own devices. So you have people watching twelve hours of TV a day in the background and and kind of feeling a bit lost. And I think one of the the, the opportunities that I think is available is the ability to start to kind of create your own new schedule. And I, I think there was a little bit of friction going. I mean, I don't know. Was it, did you experience like a, 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 was it two, three, was it several months where you kind of felt like you were switching the train track, so to speak? Yeah. I also didn't think it would last that long. So I was just like, Oh yeah, you know, I'll figure out what I need to Exa- do now yes. and then I'll, you know, go back to normal. Yeah. And then yeah. normal didn't happen. And I was like, oh, I really had to strap in. I bought a bike because the gyms were yep. closed. Then yep. they opened and I got all excited. Then they closed back down. I was like, I got to prepare to keep myself in the, 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 you know, my main priorities and the goals in order and putting myself in a position to be successful there, whether it's a home office, going for walks to make myself feel better because I'm not like you could stick in your house all day long. Right. Yeah. And I did that a couple of days. It's like, oh, shit, I don't have anything to do. Let me hang out in here. Yeah. And then I could just see my energy just being different. You're not getting the sun. You're not getting, the oh, energy, yeah. you know, those types of things. If anyone followed me online for the first few months when I was unemployed uh, intentionally, I, uh, I was like a kid in the candy shop. Like I, I was treating it like it was recess all day long. I mean, I'm, I'm not, it's like you would, I was probably going on bike rides. I was going to the park. I was like doing all this stuff all the time, kind of whenever I, w- I wanted. But at the end of the day, it, it felt like you were, I was always kind of trying to feel, it was great going to the park. It's great, you know, taking the kids out bike riding. It's great doing all this fun stuff. 
but I was, when I really reflected back on it, it was because I was trying to feel something, you know, and I wasn't, I was looking for that routines. We're creatures of habit, man. Like you got to be able to find the, you know, are, are the things you're doing, uh, investments or debts? You know, I think I try to view a lot of my activities that way. And, you know, a lot of times after a while, you know, what was an investment can become an, can become an debt, just no different than like any sort of investment. You have to know when to essentially exit your position, if, you know, if you will, if you're an investor in stocks or, or any sort of portfolio of life. I started to kind of put a lot of my time into um, activities that weren't either income producing, that weren't mentally filling, you know, that void. Um, I think there's a lot of, you know, I still start, I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you this today. Like I still struggle with that like purpose of like, what is that next step, you know? And when you are on that career tra trajectory, at least for me, I, I kind of, for a long time, I, I would have told you, yep, I'm gonna be a software bro for the rest of my life. I've been in it for 12 years, been in management. I'm, the next step is director, VP, you know, head of, you know, entire company. And when you really, I think this time has kind of forced you to kind of really think about what is more important to you. And if you still feel that way, more power to you. Um, for me, I can tell you that's definitely changed. Um, and how I'm interacting with how I see the next 10, 15 years unfolding. So. Yeah, it's uh, crazy. Just the, you know, the disruption. And for me, I know I just had to be okay with the change and that not everything's going to be the way, you know, like every day is not going to be the same of just like rainbows and sunshine yeah. and fairy tales. And I just had to be acceptable of the moment and make the best of it. Is it just me or, um, you know, I'm still young per se at 36. Um, but I'm also old enough and I've had en enough, you know, it's like you have enough examples where you've experienced something over and over again. Like you're going to the gym, right? And when you first go to the gym, it sucks. You know, your muscles hurt, your body aches. You don't want to do it again, especially if you go a little bit too hard, you know, you don't want to do it. Um, but if you keep pushing through it and you kind of break through that wall, you, and you kind of look back, you can kind of see the grandeur of the room and your accomplishments. After a while, I think it takes, I think a good decade of, of pushing through that in in any area of your life where you start to become very aware that the shit you're in is actually going to be a good thing mm -hmm. you know and that's offered a lot of peace i think for me that while there's a lot of anxiety it's kind of that uh phrase was it you dub the rowing team embrace the suck mm -hmm. and you know i'm trying to embrace embrace the suck doesn't mean like the suck and i think uh I don't know. I found myself being a little bit more at peace with it. And I, 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 um, if you interviewed me two years ago, you'd probably get a lot of different answers out of me, but, um, perfect timing. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> you know, but at the same time, like there's a little bit, of, I think what shows up, um, what, what's been showing up for me over the last year is a little bit of, um, allowance and peace for seeing what can show up. Because when I look at that a lot, I mean, and we can get to this in a second, later, but like when I, we, when I look at about, when I look at my career, and every time I've kind of advanced through it, it's when I was, I was up to something. I was up to something in terms of creating something, but I wasn't locked in on one path. It's like you could see directionally where you want to go, and then you're open to the possibilities of how to get there. And I think that's where I'm at right now. So I'm just I'm open to seeing what unveils itself. I think it's great having that mindset. Obviously, don't have the experiences you do, but. I know for me, every time, yeah, I've grown into something or been in a position that I would say is a step above where I was, was either a back against the wall moment, mm -hmm. right? The true mm -hmm. adversity, or it was just being open to change. And I know for me, like, 
you know, I like the things that I like and I stick to them pretty well. But every time that I've grown is I put myself in that, you know, water of uncomfortable, uncomfortableness yep. and it really helped me grow. And you, you look back at it, you know, it, I think a lot of people forget to look back at where they've come from and their successes. And that's very important to, you know, self-reflect, but doing that, it's just like, holy shit. Like I didn't realize, like, you know, I thought shit was just kind of hitting the fan and you know, here we are. Look at six years, six months later. Here I am, and I'm, I, I'm so happy that I went down the path that I did. You know, it's kind of, kind of. What's crazy is, you know, to want something. I don't think. Uh, my wife and I were really, um, we're really, we try to be very intentional around language. And when you think about, you know, when when you interview for a job, like the whole reason you're interviewing is, you could say, well, why, like, why would you interview for promotion? And I'll ask you, actually, ask you, and I'm not, I'm not, not a trick question. Like, why would you interview for the job? Like a promote, like you said, you mentioned. Your... I want it more money, more opportunity, flexibility. I mean, it depends. But... Exactly, and like, so if you look at the, the root uh, etymology of want, it's it means to, it's something's missing. So you're essentially when you want a promotion, you're essentially acknowledging something's missing in your life. And it's not, that's not bad, by the way, but I think it's just getting, I think we treat a lot of advancements, we treat more money, more promotions, we treat all that stuff like, like it's actually going to solve something. But once you realize that it's, it is just, it's, it's something you're making more important in that moment, then you're more open, I think, to new pathways that might show up on how to get to the same space. And I think for, for me in my career, wherever I've I've sabotaged my career multiple times and I, I'll give you, I can give you many examples. Have, you, right? Yeah. You should ask me about some of my example. I can give you anytime I've, I've either changed jobs or gotten fired or gotten demoted has been my fault, but don't worry. I've been, I've been telling the story like it wasn't my fault, but it's usually cause I was acting like something was better somewhere else. And it's really just, I think that's what is, what's really, I think open for, what's opened up I think through COVID is I think you start to realize that a lot of things that I've done anyway are just, it's like I've been treating it like if I did that, then everything's going to be solved. And then, but don't worry, you'll find something else. You know, you'll find something else. Uh, and I think that has allowed me to I think move about the cabin a lot more freely, which has actually opened up more opportunities, which is kind of, kind of sick. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, let's go through the timeline of Zach and how you got to this, open-mindedness and some of the experiences of self-sabotage yeah i guess i'll start you know are you from the area are you from somewhere else originally? born and raised pacific northwest baby where exactly i'm a true true pacific northwester so i was born in i was actually born in the living room floor in shoreline washington and uh it was uh yeah my dad was a just he was a construct construction kind of contract worker and um small little rambler in shoreline and right across the street from uh uh showgirls and nice. uh yeah it was a, it was a it was a great neighborhood uh, <laughs> uh but now i was born in shoreline washington and then we moved uh up to linwood and then uh from there we i i went to college and uh, plu and uh, i know i'm skipping around quite a bit but i've been my entire life has been in washington so wow that's awesome yeah. uh we'll definitely talk about the changes that you've been able to see in this city because <laughs> for sure i've lived here this will this fall will be year eight I always get this number okay. wrong. I can't ever remember, but I've been here for a while now. Let's just say a decade. Yeah. So sounds better. A decade. Sounds better. Uh, it makes me feel older. Uh, but watching the city grow, I feel like I got here right before the peak of a, a, a big boom, right? And yep. it's funny that I've gotten into software sales as software sales has boomed in the city. Uh, but it, I always explain to my friends that 
can't really relate because you know I'm from Montana, Wyoming. You don't see cities just boom out there, really. Yep. yep. Uh, the more boom they've seen is now because all the people from here are moving out there to try to escape the COVID. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, but it's like Sims. That's how I felt. Yep. Like you know, like the Seahawks started winning. There was cranes everywhere, and I'd be driving through the city like, holy shit! I swear that building wasn't just there. Oh yeah. And it's just you know it's just ridiculous, and and the way the city has changed. Um, just looking back as, as a child in North Seattle, you know, what would you say besides the amount of people and tech jobs has been the biggest change in the city that you've been able to witness? Um, well, I mean, there, obviously there's the physical appearance. I mean, I remember I wasn't even allowed, we, we weren't even allowed to visit South Lake U- Union. Um, and you know, Amazon completely changed the whole, whole thing. And, you know, you could argue that's you know, for better and for worse, but I think, um, well, depend, are you speaking specifically of Seattle only? I mean, because like or surrounding area, I, I would say when I yeah. say Seattle to most people that aren't from Seattle, that includes Redmond, Bellevue, whatever, right? It's it's well. So first off, I think you have the you have to look at the sure. There's great job access here. There's a lot of high tech companies that come in. There's a lot of opportunity uh, for growth. And I think when you have a lot of growth, I think what that inevitably opens up is the entry floor. Like the only reason I'm mean, even in tech was because I was willing to work for cheap. I was willing to be. You know, some guy making practically, I was doing the math. It was like 14 bucks an hour uh, in software, which is uh, crazy. And uh, but I was willing to work for cheap, but it's because there, software, as you know, especially in like 2008, 2009, was blowing up. Internet started to get a lot faster. Software as a service became a lot more popular. Um, and so I think that alone has kind of exploded the entire region. But I don't know. I think people are also addicted to the accessibility of Washington. I think you could, you know, you know, you, there's deserts, there's oceans, there's lakes, there's mountains, there's valleys, you know, you can anywhere you, you mean, you snowboard, like a couple I, I, hours, yeah, you get anything. Well, anything. I mean, I can go to Snoqualmie Pass in 45 minutes, three hours. I mean, literally in the desert where there's 320 days of sun, <laughs> you know, it's crazy. And I think, and then I could also go to the, I'm looking at the ocean view, right, right here. It's insane. So I think that alone, it's people come here in, in the summertime and they just fall in love. And my wife and I just love, love Washington. And, you know, you can give me every single, um, you know, pro and con about any sort of state, but you have to really just, I think, get clear on your values and what, what what's important to you. And my, Sierra and I love, I think we love the opportunities that Washington provides. But yeah, it's, it's exponentially grown. Is she from here as well? She, yes. She, uh, her, her family, her mom's Canadian and her dad's Mexican from South Mexico in a place called Waltuco. Uh, very very small town. It still has dirt roads, I think. Uh, but they um, raised her in Linwood, Washington. So I actually met my wife in high school. So, so we're high I, school sweethearts. Sweet story. <laughs> um, when I first moved out here, I uh, my cousins lived in Linwood, so that was one of the first places I had experience with when yep. coming out here. I, I had lived with my my grandma's sister, which is whatever that is for me. Um, in Federal Way, so mm. I, I'm very familiar with Linwood. I lived so I lived in Federal Way for two years, uh, and yeah, so it's like every place I've, I feel like I've lived down the entire corridor of the Pacific Northwest, like all the way down into Tacoma, Auburn area, all the way up into you know Everett. So I like the idea of the nature. You know, I'm from Montana, Wyoming. That's all you really have. If you're not enjoying nature when you're living there, I don't know what you're doing. You're probably exactly. pretty depressed. But yep. um, it's just a whole different nature here. I mean. If I want to go hiking, I got to beat the traffic to park at the hiking, you know, because there's so many people now um, where that was such a weird concept to me, you know, in Montana, you just walk up in there and you might see a a person or two on the trail. But um, it's definitely uh, it's a beautiful place. And I I enjoy the aspect that, yeah, I mean, 
especially in the summer. It's like, what do I want to do today? Uh, lake, ocean, you know, mountain, you know, the, the mix of everything is very unique. Oh, it's, it's, uh, well, I think, I mean, you drove, have you ever drive, driven a past, uh, 520 in the middle when it's super sunny out? Yep. You see like the cask, it's just like, oh my, and you see Mount Rainier in the background. It's crazy, man. Like, I don't know how you don't fall in love with it, but, um, you know, then you have to afford a house around here. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, that's a whole other story. <laughs> that's why. I, let let yeah, me ask you this: yeah. as a young teenager, or mm-hmm. even going into college, did you foresee yourself still living here? Did you have an idea of like, I want to go somewhere else, see something else, or has, have you always just been kind of sucked in here and enjoyed it? I, you know, I yeah, I think if, if I'm going to answer candidly, I've always been sucked in here, and enjoyed it, but it doesn't mean we don't love travel. You know, um, we travel a lot. One of our Sierra and I's, uh, my wife, our mission, our, our couple's mission is to. You know, is to live a life of adventure and exploration. So we, we make a point to do that. But no, I, I don't think I've ever had a poll. My, my, we, we joke a little bit about um, you know moving to the East Coast. But I don't know, man. I think I'm too nice for the East Coast. I think I'll get eaten alive. We Probably. To, we, we get, no, seriously. I'm, I'm like, we went, to, we went to the New York for, uh, for a week, and it's just a different energy flow. In Boston, I can't even keep up with those guys. Like, they're like a – and I, yeah, I think I'm just too much of a soft – you know, I'm a high-energy guy, but I'm definitely not abrasive. Uh, so I think I would just get just swallowed whole by these guys. <laughs> How do you come up with a mission statement as a husband and wife? How does that even, is that something that <clears throat> is common? Like, I mean, I have no clue. Obviously, I'm not married, well, but. Well, so my wife, we've been together for 18 years. Uh, I met her when she was 15. And we are not the same people. And, you know, by the way, I would say relationship is probably my biggest passion, um, our biggest passion. Um you know, and when you're together for 18 years, you're definitely not the same people you met when you when you started dating. 100. And thank God, um, I would <laughs> I would I would punch my old self in the face. I was a, I was kind of a prick. I was I was super. Of course, we all have selfish ten- tendencies, but I was a selfish asshole. Um, and I look back on a lot of relationships, like, wow, I can't believe you stayed with me. You know, and I, I'll get we we don't hide anything. So like, all, we we on our on our intact podcast, we talk a lot about. Uh, the beginnings of our relationship and a lot of the transgressions, if you will, of of our relationship. But when when you are together that long, you know you always hear those the common things like, oh, you're not the same person, you know, I used to know, or we just kind of drifted apart. And I think you have to be very. I I don't like to say um, relationships are hard work. I think they're in what you say about it, and it's like if you say so. I rather say relationships are they are what they are, um, and it's more it's it's more interesting to us to be intentional about creating something new. When you think about when you first met, you know, anyone that's a, you know a significant other, you're like almost obsessed with learning and discovering. Like you're in this mode of exploration, and what typically happens in, in ours whenever we have breakdowns is we stop. Once you feel like you know, some, in fact, there was a story. We we're in Cabo at a couple's workshop um, uh, called Creating It, and we were exploring the topic of creativity uh, uh, in relationships. And one of the stories came up, we were at this table and all of us noticed that there was a huge group in Cabo and there was a table full of men and a table full of women. And we went, I went over there and said, hey, um, and tapped on his shoulder, hey, I noticed that you guys are all together, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, we're all together. You guys, it's just like a couple thing? Yeah, it's just a bunch of friends, a huge group of friends. We're all here, you know, like 20 of us, right? And uh, I'm like, well, how come... How come all the guys are sitting together and all the girls? Is it like a thing you're doing? He's like, and he essentially leans in and says, "Do you do you think there's one thing she can say that I haven't already heard?" And I'm like, "Oh man, just to like think about that, right?" And I'm like, "There's no way in hell Sierra could 
ever fully know who I am. Like, like I don't, did, I mean, does she know like my very first friend ever? Or like, if you really think about, is it even, is it even possible? So I think when, when we think about creating a mission statement, we wanted to make sure that we were able to live a life of intention. And it was, it was, it was a, a mission statement of action, but we had to essentially disclose all of our wants and desires and then find commonalities inside those and then try to live a life that represented those. Long-winded answer. You got me excited. No, I like that. You know, but, you know. Hey, I mean, if you guys are a young couple, you got to yeah. tune into this guy and then get the, the relationship advice. I could tell yeah. just by, look, you know, I looked at your social media and your LinkedIn before just to see if there's anything that I could grasp to, to talk about. But I could tell that you guys are very passionate about that. And that's really cool because, you know, for me, I'm 28. I do yep. have a lot of friends that are married and have kids. You yep. know, I grew up on an Indian reservation in Montana. It just... It's a different kind of lifestyle there. Out of my high school class of 26, that's my senior class, yep. 24 of them were married and had kids wow. before high school was over. Wow. And then the other girl that wasn't is has twins, is married, and all that now. So I'm the only one that's not. But going back, you know, I hear those types of things. Oh, you know, don't get married, da-da-da-da-da. And it's just yep. like... I hate seeing those types of things and the way people speak about it. It's like, man, if you're married, you got to find a way to make it work. You know. Well, and, I mean, I mean, of course, correct me if you want, but you know, I, I, I get the feeling it's a little bit more free form here. But yeah. I, I will say one of the things that we assert in relationship by design. So we're we partner with our mentor Sandy and Lon Goldnick. They run an organization called Relationship by Design, and one of the biggest assertions we make on the workshops is you don't know what a relationship is. You don't. And for proof, if I asked you what a relationship is, like actually, what is a relationship? I don't even want to answer. <laughs> you're, you're, I, I, I would bet my life savings you're going to give me a different answer than Tim and Jen yeah, yeah. and Mike, Michael and your parents. And But if I asked you what a chair is, you're going to tell me what a chair is. Like describe a chair to me. And virtually 99% of the answers will be directionally the exact same. Or describe what a tree is. But if I ask you what a relationship is, this is not the same. So that's a pretty good indication, right? Yep. So one of the things that, that we spent the last 50 years, they spent the last 50 years doing and teaching courses on this is actually breaking down the nature and the design of what a relationship is. It's kind of like if, it's like if you, how, how could you possibly work on a bicycle if, you're thinking, if you think you're actually working on a car? So who cares if you have the five, tri you know, the five steps, the seven habits, you know, the 12 secrets, I don't know, whatever the books you can get. There's so many, but not one, like no counselor, no therapist ever asked that question. What is a relationship? Yet we're trying to coach tor towards a relationship. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy, right? So I, I think that's something that I think once we're able to understand what it actually was, it was like this light bulb went off like, oh, and then I was able to, we were able to play more freely. It's kind of like you think you're, you know, it's like if you don't know where the out of bounds are and, and you think you're playing football, but you're actually in a soccer field, you're probably not going to be very good at playing football. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so it's an interesting way to think about it. Yeah, we can. That's a whole other. I mean, I can talk five hours about that stuff though. But um, so growing up in the Pacific Northwest, you went to school where? Uh, so well, we so we went to yeah, Olympic View Middle School, uh, up in Muckleteo, and that's went where to my cousins live now. Oh, really? Muckleteo. Oh, yeah. nice. I yeah. love it there. Yeah, it's a great, great area. Um, I think it made like the top twenty-five like quaint towns. Really? Like in America at one My point. My cousins bought their house for like 450000 What is it, like 2000, 2011 now? or 2000? Right around 2011, 2012. 
And it was the only house on the cul-de-sac that was that low because they have a putting green and a basketball court in their backyard. Not like a full basketball court. Oh, that's It's just sick. a hoop with like a metal slab or concrete slab. Yep. And Dulcie's like, you know, she's young 30s at the time, maybe even late 20s. And they have one newborn and her husband has an older daughter. And she's like, we'll never use this. I was like, Dulcie, are you kidding me? Like, you're having kids. You're going to grow up. I was like, how oh. are you never not going to use it? She said, I want a yard. And now she's like, thank God I don't have a yard. I don't have to mow it and deal with it, yada, yada. But yeah, now it you know it probably lists over eight hundred something more than that, and it's just yeah. crazy to think. But um, that neighborhood, to your point, it's like the education system, just everything it's there is there, just yeah. really awesome. It's, so. incre- it's incredible, you know. So out. yeah, so Mukilteo, I went to Kamiak High School, and then I went to uh, PLU, Pacific Lutheran University, which is kind of ironic. It's like I think like twenty percent of the school is Lutheran, but. Um, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. Pacific Lutheran University, and they're like eighty percent or not. I always wondered how that worked. Um, but um, yeah, it's just all the donors and stuff. Um, and uh, we went to Pacific Lutheran University, PLU, go Lutes. And it was kind of funny. No one really knows, but Frosty Weatherington was one of the most winning, winningest football coaches in college football for PLU. But it's Div three, so no one cares. Uh, okay, yeah, but, that makes sense. Yeah, he's he's a great guy. Hey, but, uh, there's a D three school in Montana that's uh, ran it back years and years and years, and they're very popular i know sioux falls i believe is another school that was super yep. big on that yep for those small towns it's something you know obviously in seattle they're probably like oh whatever but like in those small towns that's like that you know they live and die through those little teams oh you know one thing i miss though i'm kind of like i'm, I'm a little resentful and jealous on is that college like spirit like i see these people getting like tattoos of like kooks and like u-dub and like lsu and i just you know i Pilly was a good school, but it was it was my college, and then I moved on. But you know, we had maybe seventy five, one hundred and fifty people. Oh, if, we, if it was a busy game, we had two hundred people in the stands. It's crazy. <laughs> and then you see these other games with like eighty thousand people at like LSU games. Uh, different breed, I get it, but I, I'm a little. Uh, I kind of wish we had that hardcore college spirit. It just gives. It's like no. It's like no different. I mean, you being a sports guy, you get it. Like how much, how much a, a city and families and groups can really rally around and, and, and like the power it's beyond sports, right? There's a, there's a connection that happened. You, you know, it, you can, um, I'm, I'm sure you, it's a big part of your heart. And I see these families that like the entire lineage came from like a certain school. And I'm kind of like, wow, that's pretty amazing. Um, and I, 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 secretly, my wife and I are really wanting our kids to go to like a big school so we can like be those annoying parents that show up with like face paint and stuff. Yeah, you know, it's. I'll ask you about college here in a second because where I come from, you know, I, I, I don't know. At my age, college was like a necessity if you want to be successful. You have to have a degree. If you don't have that piece of paper, you're not. You know, I hate that that's the narrative and it's changing oh, I hate now. That crap, yeah. But where I came from, yeah, to your point, like you had to go to the University of Montana, dude. Like yep. it was such a sweet place. And the, the, to give you an example, the city, it's really a town. We would call it a city. Yep. Had a population probably like eighty five thousand. Okay. But the stadium holds 30,000. So it's like, wait a minute, is the whole city going there? It's like, no, dude. You literally have a state that it probably takes you nine and a half hours to drive across. It's how much land is there. Yep. And there's people coming from like six, seven hours away to watch the game on Saturday that, morning. It's freaking insane. That's, that, is, that's, that is insane. Yeah. But like you, a part of it, it's like you start to look at... I don't say it's hard because I feel like everything turns political these days. But like you look at that. And like sometimes when you look at happiness, it's just having... A sense of meaning and community for sure that's what that does you know and if you just you know sometimes the world is a better place when it's kind of i don't think humans this is all i'll say about that because i don't want to digress too much but <laughs> hum, humans i don't think are meant for for like global connectivity sometimes and i think about times where i'm like really like when the seahawks went to the super bowl all i cared about 
is doing a good job at work, you know, spending a good time with my, my wife when I got home, and the Seattle Seahawks, you know, <laughs> that's all I cared about. And I was like, so it was like the, some of the best times of my life in 2012, you know? And uh, now it's like sports, it kind of breaks my heart that it's kind of like, sec- it's like this auxiliary thing that's happening in the background on the weekends. Um, but to your point, I think there's something special around turning into a family road trip and driving six hours. Like I'm kind of like, part of me secretly like wants to get back to that, you know? I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know. I, don't I mean, know if it's even I think that's how I became a sports fan was being an only child. And that was a commonality and common ground that I could feel to fit in with other people. Right. Yep. Oh shit. The, everyone's watching the games. I got to figure out this sport and figure out how to watch these games. Cause then I could go and talk with them and then I fit in and I'm part of the, the camaraderie and the, the craziness. Yeah. There's something special about that tribalism community aspect of it. And people say, well, I'm not really, I think sports are going to like, well, you know, I, you know, I think you and I probably are aligned on this. Sports are, it's more than just the game, you know? And and I think once you realize what it can do for you, I mean, even all of us, I think, well, anyone who's played sports probably has a coach that impacted their life, you know? Or a teacher, some some degree, any sort of competitive uh, event. And there's something about it that, like, that forcing yourself to work hard for others, but also you owe it to your team to improve yourself. There's an individual responsibility that's very closely tethered to the team responsibility. And I think that's what's beautiful about sports is it strikes that balance of individualism and team, you know? Yeah, for me, being an only child, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know who I would be today without those things and learning life lessons that I didn't get to learn other places. I didn't really have a father figure, just, you know, my my mom trying to figure her way out through life. And sports was that avenue that I could. And even... Mm. The, the idea of like, I never had a dad that was like, oh, let's work out. Like we need yep. to get in shape. Let's lift weights. That just happened by commonality of sticking with sports. Yep. But something about being able to understand your own limits and pushing yourself and working with others and, and the team aspect helped me with all the skills and building blocks to where I am today. And, you know, we'll talk about sales and business and how much commonality there is from being an entrepreneur and a salesperson to being an athlete. Oh, so much. And, and I would even equate like, so uh, nerd alert. I was a professional marching band guy. And by that, I, I mean, trumpet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't, do you know, band in high do, school. do you know what drum corps is? Yep. Okay. So I did drum corps in 2002, 2004, and 2006, uh, you know, drum corps international. And essentially it's, it's essentially marching band on steroids. Mm-hmm. It's like people, you know, people say, Oh, it's like a college, college watching college marching band. I'm like, well, a good equivalency is like middle school football compared to the NFL. Like that's the difference. In fact, they actually ESPN did a did a special on DCI, uh, and they hooked up like a few players to like all these heart rate monitors and stuff, and they and they looked at the you know oxygen you know, input output and the you know the blood flow all, all that stuff and the resting heart rate, and essentially their their output was essentially the exact same as an Olympic marathon runner, and which is kind of amazing, right? So, but but my my point in that is that to me that was a competitive sport because you competed all over the country. You had about you know, 20 to 60,000 people in the audience. Um, you know, you trained for 12 hours a day. Um, but yeah, that, there's that sense of community that happened from it. And it, it just does so much and it impacts your life so, so much because I think there's so many applicable things that you can apply towards the business world. And I, I'd probably say I did. Um, and I think a lot of people who, I see a lot of people that are in management positions, um, not all, not all, but I would say a, a very large majority from people I've experienced in senior leadership have a sports background and i'm sure there's been studies on that so um i don't want to speak out of turn on that but i feel like there is there's got to be some sort of correlation 100 percent. 
how did you get I mean, I, I wanted to talk college. Is that was that a college thing or was that like a side thing that you got after college or before? Uh, DCI. Mm-hmm. I was uh, I was the kind of kid in middle school listening to like CDs on my you know, 18 second anti skip, you know, <laughs> bu- you know, boost bass CDs. You know, and uh, yeah, but I was always into it uh, when I was younger and. I'd get the VHS and stuff. So I was always kind of like watching it, kind of like you would watch your favorite, you know, you know, Bulls footage from Michael Jordan. It was the same thing, but for drum corps. <laughs> and uh, um, I've always kind of wanted to, to march for a top 10 in the world. So I, my, I was lucky enough to join Seattle Cascades and they happened to be in a year where they made top 12. So we got to play under the, under the lights for uh, the finals. But I, um, yeah, I think I've always wanted to do it, but I, I, um, you know, you mentioned Swiss Army Army Knife. It's funny because I, I probably identify more with the arts crowd and arts and performance crowd more so than the sports crowd, but I like both. And I think there's this artistic side of me that um, I think that's why I was kind of interested into it so much. This is, and I've, I've been a drummer since I was like fifth grade. So, so you saw it at a young age, wanted to pursue it. You were able to get in. Did you, ha- I mean, obviously you're talking about middle school to the NFL level. Like, this is yeah. pretty high performing. Yep. So did you have to be like a certain skill level through high school mm. to be able to earn a spot? Is oh, it simply yeah. just a tryout? Like how do you even get into something like that? Yep. In case somebody does want to, is like loving drumming, like, oh shit, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. So if you're into it, you can go to dci.org and they have a, there's, you can look at your, your various state and if they have a team, so like, or, or, um, a organization so see there was there's a Seattle Cascade there's an Oregon Crusaders there's you know Cavaliers of Rosemont Illinois and they're, they're all over the country there's a lot of them hundreds and hundreds of them and they all compete um, and yeah you have no you have to like fly so I flew out three times my own money my parents well, my parents had to pay for like four dollars for a ticket to Illinois the, at the time they were the world champions like it'd be like making the New York Yankees you know in baseball um, and I didn't make it, but I flew. I made it to the final round. But no, you, you're trying out against thousands of other people, and like you, so making it is a fucking big deal. It's a big deal. Um, and do you have yeah. to pay to be a part of it? Is you, it like a club type fee, and then there's no money kicking back your way? That's what's so crazy about it. It's a it's a passion project, man. Like it's you know you know it's uh, you know it's funny side tangent. You know me and words. You know passion. The fourth def- definition is to suffer. Did not know that. And that's why that movie, they call that movie The Passion of the Christ. You know, it's mm. like the suffrage of the Christ. So, like, I think it's a, when you're passionate about something, you're actually willing to suffer. You're so into it. Suffering, it's a part of the journey. I was passionate about it. And people are, are crazy. No, they, they fork out their own money traveling, all that stuff. It's, it's a tuition because you got, you know, you think about the bus, the chart. You have to have hundreds of people, all the band equipment, all the uniforms, everything. It's a lot of money. Um, so, no, you pay to do it. You pay, and you get sponsorships for the best of the best. There's like sponsorships, but you don't, it's not an income producing job. It's not like you, that's what's so kind of sad about it. You make it to the top echelon and it's not, there's not like you're a salary for professionals and you age out. Uh, But you can check it out. We actually, a little little, uh, brag alert is, you know, we did in 2006, um, some of my best friends, because you age out, you can't do it after 21 years old. It's 21, so yeah. you're primed. It's like yeah. X Games. No, it is kind of like, you know, <laughs> is that, yeah, is that X, X Games, same thing? I mean, X Games, the, the prime's probably 16 to 24, you know, a little yeah. bit older, but you, still, like, once you're, like, in your mid to late 20s, like, oh, shit, you're old. It's kind of, actually, no, it's really no different than any sport. Like, you're not going to see a 47-year-old running back, yeah. you know, unless you're a quarterback, right? So, same, X, yeah, you're not going to see some guy doing triple corkscrews off of a half pipe when he's, like, <laughs> 60 years old. Yeah. 
Um, same thing. So they age out. You can you, there are other things you can do. Um, uh, but yes, I, I can't remember where I was going with that. But like you, you do you age out. So the last year, all my friends were like, "Hey, we were all trying our hardest to join like the top three in the world, and it's it's like the odds of making it are like one percent." One of my uh, two best, two, we were so obsessed. Two of my best friends made the Concord Blue Devils, and then my other best friend made the Cleveland, uh, oh, sorry, the Cavaliers. And at the time, they were the top two or three jump corps in the world. They were top echelon. So I was a little, little, little upset about that because I, I really wanted to do it. But then, the, the, when they were so nice at the very end of the year, we all wanted to march together. So we all decided to come together, and we actually went down a notch. Like we joined like a Div Two, like a Division Two group just because we all wanted to march together. Like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to, we're, we are so good. We're going to join. It, it would be kind of like, I'm trying to think of a, a good example. It would be kind of like um, all the top goats of our time. I'm not, I'm not a goat, but like all the, <laughs> all, all, all the top, top performers, like some of the top performers in sports deciding to, for whatever reason, go into like um, Div Div 2 sports, you know, or like uh, I'm trying to think of a good example of a, of a team that people would might, might know of for Div 2, but uh but they just kind of decided to just kick ass and take names. So we did that, and it's kind of cheating. So we ended up winning the world championship uh, for individuals and ensembles. Uh, and you can watch our performance on YouTube if you want. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's like the Yankees moving down. They have all the best players. They pay for the players, and then you go to the AAA team. And just yes. No, it was like all the best players going yeah. to the AAA just to spend time together. Because, like, let's face it, the odds of having, like, LeBron – I mean, assuming Michael Jordan played at the same time as LeBron James, like, the, the odds of having – like all the best players on one, like an all-star team, yep. like permanently. So that's what we decided to do, uh, and it was a blast. But how many hours would you say that you'd play the drum to prepare for stuff like that? Uh, at least ten to twelve hours a day. Yeah, it was all. It was a. It was a. It was full-time job. Like that's crazy. Yeah, you, we wake up, run a couple miles because cardio is just as important. Do weights, and then we would play and march from eight a.m. to. What six, the hell did your parents think? They're just all for it. I mean, if my kid yeah. was like. 10 hours of beating on some shit. Oh, I drove, I drove them. I, I drove them crazy, man. I drove them. It's, but I think, and, and, I think, then, and then you're telling me we have to pay for this and shit? Then pay for it. You know, it's parents. Like, I don't know. That's what's funny. Now that I'm like a dad, like I'm so present to like, like, man, the stuff that my parents did to like sack, like the amount of money they paid for me just to do seemingly dumb shit like that wasn't going to help my career i mean you could argue it does like it doesn't do anything for your career my, my dad had a hard time with it but i don't know like there's something about following because i think what that even though you age out i mean you can you know you're practically working for free and i don't know there's it does something for you but um yeah you're right they they sunk they sunk a lot of money into it but though. did they ever give you feed like harsh feet like were they ever like okay i'm sick of this fucking drumming you gotta quit or was they always supportive my dad was but my mom uh silenced him a lot <laughs> she's wearing the pants <laughs> yeah, yeah she yeah, well you know i had a drum set i still have a drum set now but um luck luckily we have pat you know there's different ways to silence it and a lot of our stuff we got kicked out of a lot of neighborhoods because you know when you're playing on a field and you're doing a lot of your rehearsals you you um you know it's not a big deal because you're kind of out in the middle of nowhere and you're in a, or you're in a big stadium but to practice you either have to do it in your house or you have to find like a field somewhere in your neighborhood and we've had a lot of cops called on us. That's Dang. for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. That's it's no different than like skateboarders trying to join the right, and they have to like they have skate to, to the library. Or they have to shit, skate yeah. all over the library and just do crazy stuff. But uh, it's better than like I guess being on drugs and getting drunk when we're fifteen. You know, hundred yeah, percent. So, um, yeah. What uh, did you have any siblings? Um, were you only child? 
we uh, so I have two sisters. So I my entire I have a lot of females in my family, man. I got like a that makes sense. I got a um, <laughs> I, I know right. Seriously, it does make sense. I definitely have a I, I have like a I'm on the balance of like a the, the masculine and, and feminine personality, I suppose. But no, I I grew up with like a lot of cousins, um, uh, that female cousins and t- older sister, younger sister. My sister older sister is in the military. My younger sister uh, is lo- she lives down south in Kent area. Uh, but yeah, it's um. I, and uh, my dad was just where he's, you know, a contractor, blue collar guy, went to Boeing, you know, laid off like 15 times, it seems like. Right. So he wasn't around a lot growing up just because he was working all the time. Um, so, yeah, you have my mom, two sisters, a lot of female cousins. So <laughs> I, mean, I, I definitely learned about, um, yeah, just you learned how to survive in that in that environment. Um, I but, had an yeah. only... Uh, single mother, I was the only child. My grandma and my aunt raised me pretty close. So yeah, okay. I mean, I didn't have the sisters and the. I did have quite a bit of cousins. I'm pretty close with females related, but I can relate to the female side. But I, I always say that you have the fork in the road. You could either follow what you know in the childhood, mm-hmm. or you could do the opposite. I always did opposite. Okay. So like, I'm totally opposite of what like if my mom told me to do something, I'd probably do the opposite. Really? Of that. Yeah. So I was just always the guy that was like, Nah, fuck this. I'm doing my own thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, I, I I respect that rebellion side. You know, what's funny is I'm. I think it's interesting to be curious about that because I feel like I do the same thing, but in other areas. Like I, I, I have this propensity. Like I, I have like this. I have like this burden that I'm very aware of that I feel responsible of the energy in the room. I feel responsible of other people's happiness. Not outside or not, not of other people's happiness online but like my surrounding circle if we're all having a big party i would be overly aware of making sure everyone felt like they belonged i'm the same um, way really yeah same way and um at the same time if someone comes in feeling like they're they're quote unquote like a, you know an alpha or they you know they're a bit more abrasive i also equally enjoy the mental spar and sometimes i'll, I'll intentionally debate you even though i agree with you I did can, the same thing. Which can get yeah. me in trouble, right? <laughs> I did the you same know? thing. And I'm like, and it's tough because I'm like, ah, dude, I feel like I'm pissing you off. But I actually, it's just fun to like, because I think we, you can really decide where you fall. Because a lot of it is just fun because you learn a lot. But two, it's like you, there's a little bit of like, if I don't know where I stand on something, I'm going to, why wouldn't I, why would I just defaultly agree with you? You know, but does it ever get in, get you in trouble? Oh, for sure. Really? Yeah. See, that's that's where actually, you know, in terms of career, that's that's almost all of the bombs in my career have been based off of that alone. Me too. You know? Really? Yeah. But I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm. You know, you have to. I if think it's that to... big of a problem, then it probably wasn't meant to be in the first place. Yeah. That, yes. That's that's true. Well, are you? Familiar... I, I'm the guy that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to have a good time if I know other people aren't having a good time. I'm getting older, and I'm. Yes. I'm an old. You know, I'm a single guy. I don't have kids. Not married. So I, I'm learning how to just live in Shane's world, and that's fine. Well, I was talking about my own world and the world of Shane, but when it comes a to world. a company and you have that mindset that we kind of do, you're never going to find a company, especially the larger the company you come across, that just speaks the same values. And yeah. that's why people like us go on to do their own passionate projects or they find other things that are fit their mold. And I think this is important for the viewers because unless you go through the experiences that we have at like bigger company level, public company, corporate, yep. that type of thing. You just don't understand that environment. It's a lot different environment than, you know, I don't know what industry or job you're in, but then what most people are used to. And you have to be okay with that. And you have to, there's a pro and con to everything. You have to use the things that you like about it to your advantage and then use 
you know, whatever else you can, whether it's the extra time you're getting or the extra finances to invest in the things you enjoy. Mm. And in today's world with the internet, like no one, I mean, shit, there's people making thousands of dollars making TikTok videos, right? Oh, dude. The guy with the ocean spray and now he's, you know, bought his own, I mean. Crazy. If, if, if you really want to be successful, there's no reason that you can't be, you'll find a way. And yes. everyone's version of success is different. Yep. You know, for me, I've always had that killer mentality of like, it's me against the world. No one cares about Shane as much as Shane does. You have to just put yourself first, right? And that's bit me in the ass a few times because other people don't see that, especially in Seattle. The, You know, I'm from a small town farm that you bust your ass, and that's really hard work. You know, the, the, the work that we do today and sitting on a computer for hours a day and, you know, whatever else kind of work you do, that's not hard work to me. Like, every time that I get in a rut, I'm like, God damn, I worked too hard today. Yeah, I look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about, dude? You used to like dig like six foot ditches like in the hundred degree heat. You typed, but you typed with your fingers and you clicked buttons. Yeah, no, and I'm so yeah. exhausted, you know. But it's like, uh, get that shit out of your head. And if you are in a spot where you do feel friction, like fucking leave. Like, no, yeah. you never have to stay with the company. Sometimes you you find yourself in a position that, yeah, it might be hard. Sure, you're not getting the income or whatever. But usually the next endeavor, it's bigger and brighter things. Yeah. The only the only thing I would uh, – I wouldn't discount, though, the power of mental strain. Like, you know, they're, they're, your, your brain does burn a lot of calories. And I think you have to really – make sure you audit where your mind is. I mean, that's what's so – I think that's what's so dangerous. The one thing I like about – like, uh, I kind of miss – I kind of miss – sometimes I miss. This is uh, – and I don't want to be, like, accidentally offensive at all. But I miss physical labor to a certain degree. Because it's it's right in front of you. You can almost get into it, like, especially if it's repetitive. Sense you, of accomplishment. Yeah, you can like see it. Like whenever I, I like to look back and be like, look what I did. Hell yeah. And I think, but the, what's dangerous about mental work or like computer work is your your mind can go somewhere whether you're there or not. And this is, I mean, this happens to physical. It's not nothing to do with labor per se. What's, is it's more about just when you're doing quote unquote knowledge work it's dangerous because it, it sucks up your mental bandwidth even when you're not working. And I think that that is and it's unproductive, it's taxing, and I think it's a there's um and I think you can you can start to believe a lot of lies just off of what you're thinking. And I think there's something a lot there's something really really valuable about you know physically creating something at the same time like you I totally I agree with what you're saying in the sense that now is like your grandma would roll over her in her grave if she heard you complain about how hard hard life was. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Like you wait, you could post something. Okay, for example, my wife works um, uh, part time, uh, and we do. Uh, she sells uh, online retail clothes. Okay, and she'll like her fun will bing. Oh, just made four hundred bucks. I'm like, why? What happened? Oh, a couple people bought some outfits on the website. And she just puts her phone away. Are you kidding me? Just 400 bucks by literally uploading photos to her website. And people just buy them. Like that? You know how, like, goddamn lucky we are? That's just crazy to me. But I don't know. It's it's like, I don't know. Sometimes I think you have to be really, really, I think, thankful with um, and just realizing, I think, where you're blessed and... um, and just counting your blessings, and and but also knowing that I, I don't really. I think I heard this quote one time. Like if you if you're if you have to feel guilty because someone else has feels has it worse than you, then I guess you should also feel ashamed because someone else has it better than you. Like at some point, just feel the way you feel, live your life, control the controllables, 
and like just choose, choose where you're at. I don't want to, it's, it could be a long exercise, but do you mind if I, I, I share Go something fast? We have <clears throat> all the time that you have. Perfect. perfect. You're, you're the only one with the time restraints, not me, so, my man. One thing I, I won't do it to you cause it takes a long time, but I'll just, I'll kind of give you the spoiler. But one of the things we do in our workshop is at the very, very end, once they kind of see something, I wish you had a coffee cup here. Um, grab one. You know what? We're on camera. Do you mind grabbing one? I'll go grab one. Just just keep talking to them. Go grab one. So (laughs) one of the things that we'll we'll, uh, assert is once – you know when you see something, you can't unsee it, right? Like um, once I told you that – like once I learned that Gandhi, for example, was a pedophile, like it ruined it for me. I never could like trust any sort of Gandhi quote. I I just lost all faith in Gandhi. And it just, just kind of killed it. And I just, I don't ever want to like really see anything about Gandhi ever again. But then when you find out that that's actually a lie and what I just said was completely false, he's not that by the way, you can't unhear it, right? So now for, for the rest of the time here, you're going to be thinking, oh, God damn it. Every time I hear that, I'm going to think something horrible about Gandhi. That's essentially what happens when you see something newly, you can't unsee it. And one of the things I think I, I really, really love about just living life and taking action and just think about your career, your success. You know, if, if you're listening to this anywhere and you think about um, your own circumstances, once you see something, you now have a choice. So there's two parts to this. <clears throat> if I asked you, and you could see, kind of see this, like um, this coffee cup's boil, you know, it's, it's really, really hot, but like this is, this is all you see. The, let's pretend this is the first time you're seeing this cup. How would you grab the cup? I just grab it. How, about, like, how would your hand look? Like literally, physically, how would you grab it? Like that, right? And you'd always you, your action would always your physical your physical interaction with it would always be like what? Like this to grab it. That or I'd go to the. No, no, you, you don't see that. Uh, yeah, I just grab it like this. Right. So everything you do is always like this, yeah. right? But if what, what if I was like, hey, I can tell you. This is why I think experience is so important. I can tell you, hey, Shane, there's a there's a handle over here. But you're like, what handle? Just trust me, there's a handle. But if all you see is this, you're still always going to do this. This is why it's so important to spend less time, wor- you know, you know, we get so stuck into like the how-tos, the, the what-abouts, trying to fix change. We just look at how you live and your own experiences. If I, Once you actually can experience it yourself and actually explore the other side, you have this side. So you could interact with it this way, but you also can interact with it this way. But the fact is you have a choice. It's like you actually can interact with it both ways. So once you see something, you have the freedom to interact. This is a really cool mug, by the way. It was a white elephant gift for Christmas. This is awesome. awesome. (laughs) You have the freedom to interact with it differently. And I think that's what I love about this example is like when you only see this, you feel like you have no choice. But when you explore something for yourself, you realize that you you could this, you have this, you could do this, you you could do this. You have more freedom. But I think... I, when, when I, whenever I, I, I messed, I'm happy to, I, we can go into some examples of this. I really fucked up. Whenever I've caused major suffering in my life, it was always because I felt I was living life like I had no choice. And it breaks my heart. And one of the greatest lessons I can teach my kids is that to realize they, that's one of the greatest gifts that they have is a choice. And we, we live it like there's no choice. So if I, one of the exercises we do is we, hold up two, two, um, two markers, a red marker and a blue marker. And we say in the relationship world, we say red is passionate. Blue is, is relaxing. And they say, would you like a relaxing relationship or a passionate relationship? And they're like, Hmm. Okay. Like then choose one, choose. And they say, 
Um, okay, you want the passionate one? And they take they take the red they take the red marker. Okay, great. Then we ask them, what's the difference between option and choice? And then they usually don't know, and they struggle with it for a while. And shortcutting to the answer, the difference between option and choice. Option is passionate, relaxing, red and blue. That's an option. Game over. You have options. That's it. Choice is you actually select it and you grab the red marker or you grab the blue marker representing passionate or relaxing. The difference between option and choice is choice equals action. You have to choose it. So now, now interchange that with bad boss, good boss, um, good boss. Okay, choose it. Or bad boss, good boss. Like, well, I want a good boss, but I have a bad boss. Okay, choose. Like, well, I don't have a choice. Yes, you do. Like, you can either quit your job or you can just choose your bad boss. <laughs> That's true. And I think, but we live life like we don't have a choice. And every time I fucked up in my career is I was acting like I, I can actually choose who my boss was in that moment. The fact is, you know, Johnny was my, my boss. And even though, he, you know, he was horrible, he was, a, I, in my opinion, a bad leader, unmotivating, didn't want to work for him. The fact, he was my boss. So I can spend all day trying to resist, you know, complain, talk shit about him. And all it did for me is cause more suffering. But if I just chose it, then I could have had a more freedom to play out, play more in, you know, in that space. Mm -hmm. So does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it's yeah. really interesting. I mean, you're talking about the workshops. I don't really know the full story behind it. I'm sure the, the viewers yeah. would be like, what the hell is this guy talking about? So talk to me a little bit about this project that you're doing with the workshops. Mm -hmm. is this, so you have a podcast. Yep. What's the podcast called? Uh, be uh, intact or be intact. Both both searchable uh, items work. Yeah. Where do you where where would I view them at? Uh, well, it's a, we're actually going to be merging with Relationship by Design, so you can go to relationshipbydesign.com or uh, intact.com or beintact.com. Um, and again, we just we teach uh, on-site workshops. We have a couple Zoom workshops, um, and the, eventually, this is our life of work. This is what we want to do for the rest of our life. Um, where we're really passionate about it is the is the um, is the exploring workshops where we do across all over the world. Like we actually, a couple of years ago, we got back from a two week long exploring workshop. Um, and we explored, we pick a topic, like we explore love, we explore, we explore creativity, um, things like that, uh, in the realm of, in the realm of relationship. Um, but the, the main workshop that we do is relationship by design, the real deal, where we walk people through a two day course, uh, and they uncover, they unveil, um, and bring forth, if you will, or we turn the coffee cup around on what a relationship is. And the intended outcome is if they knew what they were engaged with, then they would have more of a freedom or a sense of ease uh, in what they're doing. But it also, it, dude, it relates. It's all, relationships, not just all, it's not all like romantic, man. Like you and I have a, a relationship, right? Or I think about like the, bad upsets you have with your friends, your mom, your dad, your boss, your coworkers. It's all founded upon what a relationship is. And we just, what we're up to, and I think where we want to make a difference in the world is if people knew what, if they, if they, if they thought they were dealing with a plate, but they're actually dealing with a mug or they were interacting with it, like it only had, had no handle, but there was a handle maybe, maybe, or not maybe they can then choose how they want to interact with it. Um, so that's what that's really what we're all about. Um, but relationship by design is the core website. Where's um, the insight workshops? Uh, we do them all over the world. So 
So um, basically someone pays for this workshop and then you go to them or how does that work? Uh, yep. If they have more than three couples, we can go to their, them. Otherwise they can come to, we do a lot in California. We do some locally here in Redmond, Washington. Uh, we do uh, one every single year in November in Cabo, San Lucas. And then uh, every year we do a cruise workshop for two weeks. Uh, last one we did was across the Baltic Sea. Um, it was wow. amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So you, you, you and your wife started this, did the podcast. Now it's being absorbed into another entity. Mm-hmm. Is there like, can I go on somewhere to listen to these or is it just workshop in person? Um, there is an online course uh, you can access via Relationship by Design. Uh, we recommend it for people who've already taken the workshop. It's one of those things where there's nothing beats the real deal. You know, like when you're exploring relationships, doing it behind a screen, you know, I know it's yeah. tough during COVID, COVID man, but um, doing it behind the screen just isn't as powerful. And there's something special similar to what we're doing with explore, with um, sharing our experiences. So you essentially are in this workshop with four five, six other couples and you get to hear their stories and there's like exercises you go through and you start to kind of realize um, what you're engaged with. And I'm telling you, man, Sierra and I would have gotten a divorce, man. We would have gotten a divorce if it wasn't for the... Uh, what we've found out through this. So yeah. did you f- get this idea based off attending the relationship by design setup stuff or? Yeah. So my wife and I are in an organization, a separate organization called couples coaching couple. Dude, when you're together, when you're 15, there's no fucking way you're going to make either. You're not going to rock the boat and you're going to have a, yeah, we're okay. We, you know, we just, we're making it work, <laughs> you know, just one day at a time, you know, ball and chain. You know, I was not <laughs> about that, you know? It's like, and I'm sorry, but like, I was a, uh, annoying prick and you know, she wasn't any fun to me. And like, we were like, it's been you know, 18 years, man. That's a long time. And, um, so we, we, <laughs> we, we had to get engaged. So we joined, uh, her boss recommended a place called couples coaching couples. And it's just that it's a nonprofit organization. It's like 150 bucks a year. Um, and we coach with other couples. They coach us, we coach them. And then every quarter we get assigned another couple. That's just, and then we met Sandy and Lon, the owners of Relationship by Design. And they're like, you know what? You know when some people give off a certain energy? Like mm-hmm. I, I'm here right now because you, you and I connected. We had a good time. Like there's something about like like-mindedness. And just to relate to the viewers, it's not like we knew each other a very long time. Like no. Probably like three one-on-ones. So like an hour and a half of one-on-one time. And the rest was just floor experience on the sales floor exactly so i think you kind of got to know oh there's a there's a likable energy that i want to get to know here Mm -hmm. same thing they like zach sierra i feel like you guys are sharing the same wavelength as us why don't you come join our workshop and just just check it out i think you guys really i think enjoy what you see you've been together for a long time you've had a lot of ups and downs and i'm like no 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 no. so we said no for two years and we finally and we finally said yeah we were also really young at the time we're really poor you know i was making like as a family, like 45 grand a year, you know, and when you have, it's rent, it's just tough, you know, in this area, um, you know, 45 grand a year in Wyoming might be, is like, is maybe like 80 grand. You're balling. Yeah. You, yeah. You could barely have a, an apartment here for that. Um, so it was, it's 800 bucks for the workshops, but it's two days. Um, and it, it transforms your life. And I'm not saying that lightly. So we did it and we were like, Holy fuck. How can we do that? Like, show me your ways, sensei, you know? Um, and it was, it's just amazing. It's like, and it, there's not, no other, like, there's no other gimmick. There's not like sign up for our subscription service. There's not like buy this ongoing residual crap. It's just, it's like one fee. 
know what you're engaged with, and then move forward from there. So are you a partner of this company now, or are so, you just you being hired by them? What's this look like? So we're a partner. Uh, they're older. You know, they're in, they're they're going to be. I mean, they're retiring, so they're passing over their organization to us. So our Congrats. life goal. Yeah, thank you. I'm really really excited for it. Um, we really want COVID to end because we really want to get back to our our workshops because I think our favorite ones are in the the big one we do every year is in Cabo, and that's I mean. I, you know what? You could think it's cheesy all you want, man. But when you're around, it's like you go, go to like an entrepreneurial like a conference, or you go to a, have you been to like a sports conference or something? To, uh, yeah, a bunch of you go to a sport. You go to a sports game. There, there's like this buzz. You look around. You know everyone's on your team. You kind of stick a stand for each other. Same thing, man. You're two weeks in Cabo with other couples that are committed to exploring and and growing together. And you're with. Imagine like being at the bar with all the guys, and all the guys hold this space. Of of making sure you are intact with your with your with your spouse, you know. And we did a bachelor party one time, and one guy stood up and said, "You know what? Like a lot of bachelor parties about the strippers and the blow and all this crazy stuff, and trying to you know <laughs> do all this this weird shady shit before you get married. Like this is a really powerful group of men that are are as friends and bystanders are are we want to be hold a place to help you." live a life that is um, rewarding and empowering and supporting your, your life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's really sweet. You get a day. So, yeah. Oh, man, I, I got to step off. My, you get all, no, that's get me good. all excited. That's good. It's it. good. Um, because, you know, one of the reasons I wanted you on is that all these different things that you do. Like, how the hell did, you know, like, that's interesting. Like, that's why I want to know. How I the hell like did you get it? <laughs> like, I thought you were doing, like, different things. So your wife's running an online re- retail shop. Are you guys making and producing your own clothes? Or what's it? Yeah, so she uh, she runs her own. Uh, uh, so she wholesales all of her clothes, and so and then she she purchases them all wholesale, and then she resells them online. She has her own online web, web shop called you know Lula Row Blue Flamingo. Say and, that one more uh, time. Uh, it's it's Lula Row Blue Flamingo. Okay, we'll post um, all this too, yeah, so everyone should check it out. Yeah. Um, and uh, but it, it is like it's not eighty five percent for women. They have men's clothes as well, but it's mainly women. But yeah, it's like she's a really into fashion. She has blue hair. I mean, for God's sake. So she's she's definitely she's definitely. Uh, has she always had blue hair? Or is that a she's new thing? had blue hair for like eight years now? You oh know? wow! Yeah, she's 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 fun and edgy. Um, no, but no, she does that for so yeah supplement income. You know, I'm in software sales and. Um, so outside you know. of software sales, we mm-hmm. got the retail shop with the wife yep. part time. Yep. You are now taking over a relationship by design. Eventually, you're, you're you know molding to learn the ways there. And are you doing other things, or are those the two side projects outside of your software gigs? Uh, I'm I'm a senior partner at an astronomical engineer firm. No, I'm just. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Let's see how you got yeah. here now. No, uh, you know. It, <laughs> You know what's funny? Because it doesn't feel like I'm in a lot of things, but I do get told that quite a bit. But well, I, a lot yeah. of people struggle to find one thing that they could latch onto that could help financially and please them personally, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's why it's unique when people see that people can handle others. And a lot of the times, you know, if if I grew up in a small town and, you know, my family, you know, bust their ass at one job just to make it, I to your point, I, I didn't know that there's other choices. Right? Yeah. So some people think that that's the only way. Right. That that's the thing. It go it goes back to like sometimes, like I, I am doing yeah. this. I have made zero dollars, just so everybody knows, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, everyone has a choice, but not a lot of people know that until they see other individuals that are doing that. That's yeah. Yeah. We. It's like we 
but we live our life like we have no choice. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, it's, it's, and we, until recently because of the internet, no one really was able to learn that from other people. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. I, I, what we do is we, so we're up to, so we're up to adventure. We want to, or we have a life of exploration. Like we have a declaration we say to each other every day where we look each other in the eyes and we, you know, we say like, um, you know, uh, right. And it changes every quarter. So every three months we change it right now. It's, it's, I'm exploring you. Let's see what happens. Sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I think it's intended that way. Yeah. But, but the idea is like, you know, when you're, when you're together, it's like, it's the set. Okay. Here's a good quote for you. The knowing is the anesthesia to learning. When you already know something, you're done. You know, if I already know, if I already know what's going to happen, why even, why, why explore? And I think we, we live life like we know what's going to happen. But when you're up to seeing what happens, you're open to the possibilities of something showing up. That's literally the definition. If you ask like anything that's been successful in my life, that's the definition of what it is. And however, people listening to that say, well, it's easy for you. It's not as easy for me. I actually would agree with that. And I don't want to, it's tough because I don't know, you know, unless we're going to sit here for six, six hours, but that's why it's so important, I think, to understand and, and know the default ways of being, of what it is to be a human, you know? And I think everything you do is based off of fears and desires. And like, you know, I think that's, it's tough because I don't, I don't, I want to be careful of not getting too, too, too deep because this isn't the late night show. Maybe we can do another one for those at for sure. 1 a.m. But <laughs> But what the reason I'm saying this, and I and I, and I swear I'm not getting on a tangent in the sense it's it's purposeful because when you see what's happening in the background, then you don't feel so confused about uh, around life's everyday moments. Like, you know, I think we get we feel trapped sometimes. Like, oh, it's my job, it's my career, it's my success, or how do I juggle all that? Like, once you actually see, I think where what's ha- what's kind of what's functioning in the background, then you can actually make a choice on how you want to interact with it you know so. yeah that's awesome yeah. now is the idea to is this new partnership going to be something that's full-time and that's all you guys are focused on or do you still foresee working in software and her doing her online retail yeah uh, we you know there's a there's a lifestyle that i want to uphold until until then um so i'm getting heavily uh heavily involved in various investments wherever I can. You know, I think we've been able to um, put, you know, we downsized. So we went from 3,400 square feet down to 1250 on purpose and we cut our mortgage in half. So we downsized half of our life uh, intentionally and decided to be a bit more uncomfortable to start putting money away for the future, not in terms of savings, but for investments, because I, I think we want to be able to live a life where, you know, I could do a podcast full time. And if I have a slow month, um, it's, that's okay. And I don't know, maybe, I don't know, I'm kind of curious what you think about this, but like one of the things that COVID's taught me is it's got me a very present to what's important. Yeah, I'm just more aware. Yeah, you're uh, aware. As a young professional, <clears throat> I've, you know, and I feel bad, you know, family, friends, you know, I feel like I wasn't involved because I was so worried about, like I said, like the killer mentality. I was so worried about Shane being successful. I lost sight of the other things I had around me and the things that were actually important or just being grateful to be quite frank. So like being in COVID all by myself, having to be forced to be locked down and seeing yep. how grateful I am, like, damn, I'm in a good position, right? Like there's yep. so many things happening that like people that had really good jobs that, that yep. just because of COVID left and like, holy shit, like I'm so grateful, but like I'm cherishing in the moment things as much as possible. And like, yeah, really understanding what my values are and where I want to invest and spend my time. So it's, it's definitely given me a 
bigger picture because for me it was just what's the next step on the ladder what's the next step on the ladder what's the next step on the ladder That's what do you I think was driving that I think it's just because I don't know where this has come from. I'm still trying to figure it out. I've just, as a young child, always wanted to live a specific lifestyle. Yep. And, and you know, being successful in this vision that I've had as a kid is I have a long ways to go. And I, I, I feel like, I don't know, maybe with the internet now that you get to see everyone else that's successful, you don't see all their hardships, obviously. Like no one's showing like, oh, fuck, today is terrible. Let me show everybody. Um, but seeing that just keeps me wanting to go for more. And yeah. I feel like... Maybe, you know, maybe I've achieved where I wanted to go. I mean, maybe not. Maybe I want to do more. I, I yep. don't really know what I'm striving for, but I've just always wanted more, and I was never happy with what I had when I... <clears throat> this made me realize, like, holy fuck, I am happy what I've had. Like, yep. I have done a lot of things. I yep. have, have a good network. I have great family and support and friends behind me, and I never realized that until COVID, really. Do, do you think 17-year-old Shane would look at yourself and be like, and and you can see into the future, like oh man, I have this sick podcast, this amazing table, amazing. <laughs> so, amazing. I got a yeah, sick table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, amazing. It is a pretty cool table. Uh, uh, shout out Dakota yeah. and Hammer Strength Construction. Yeah, this is a, this is an incredible table. Great background. You have your own place overlooking the dude. You guys can't see it, but he has a view of the freaking like water. It's in, it's impressive, beautiful in Seattle. It's it's amazing the place you have here, and it's like you look at that. And you're like, I bet a 17-year-old Shane looks at that and be like, oh, yeah, that's all I need. That that right there would be making it, baby. And oh, here yeah. you are being like, I feel like there's something new. I feel like I want to keep it. <laughs> when I was a kid, the idea of making six figures, he made it. Like, holy shit, dude, if I could find a way I thought 50 to make K was that. six figures, bro, you're rich, right? Yeah. Now I live in Seattle. If you don't make six figures, you're broke. But yeah. um, I always tell one of my good friends, Dave, I, I got he got me into cigars lately. I like sipping a nice whiskey and a cigar. Oh, That's best. a good na- night for Shane. Like, I'd rather not go to the clubs and yeah. go through all the craziness. If we could have a nice, just a couple good people around, good vibes, a cigar and some whiskey, like, I'm happy. Exactly. And we'll sit out on the beach sometimes. And I always tell him, I was like, I know I've said this, but Jesus Christ, dude. If I was 17 years old and you would tell me today that I'd have, you know, this isn't even that big of an apartment, nothing fancy, but I have an apartment on the waterfront in Alki Beach, Seattle, which I had no idea what that was as a kid. And like, I can put money into my own thing and like really pave my own path. Like that's all I could have asked for. Dude, not everyone, not everyone could afford a 7,000 square foot apartment. So this is not, (laughs) (laughs) it is a two bedroom though, because when I looked at getting my podcast started, I thought i would rent out space yeah and then i saw stuff online that you could like use people's equipment to record your podcast and they're like charging hundreds of dollars an hour and like i was like well i expect to do like a two to three hour per podcast like i'd be broke as shit so yeah. i had to look for apartments and yep. thank god this one opened up it was january which being on the beach it's not high commodity because almost all the properties here get taken like that yeah yeah and yeah, uh yeah. it was only 400 dollars more than what i was paying for a studio yeah it's like holy shit i get my own room got the own podcast yep. and you know, what a perfect time because COVID happened a few months later. And like, dude, if I was in my old studio mm-hmm. during COVID, I would have fucking lost my shit, dude. Because there's crazy? no space. Yeah. It's a, it's a crazy, I, I, I don't know. I think the, um, yeah, it's like counting your, counting your blessings, being like really like, um, present to that has been really helpful. Um, I don't know. And I, I, I know you don't want to feel like it's not productive just to feel bad, but I think it's important to realize where you, yeah, where you're blessed. And, um, that kind of I think calms my nerves a bit and feeling like like I'm always missing out or like I'm I, I'm I have a lacking or I'm missing something or well, it's also the behind. stimulation that yeah. we have. We could literally just pull this up and I could get All you know just a fucking just stimulate myself that yeah. we come on these peaks and valleys of emotions that it's like Yeah, just take a deep breath, I'm good. Like uh, Yeah, you just know? Like, you know, and I, I uh I don't know, I it's funny, I, I it's you start to um, 
a lot of my uh I would actually probably argue, I think since, so we worked together at Smartsheet, and I would say since then, after I left Smartsheet, I would say my career, I got, I don't, I would say that's when it took like a, it kind of is branching off. Like I'm kind of curious, and I don't know where it's going, I mean, I know where I have intent, I know where I want to go, but I think I said this earlier, that I get get clear on where you want to go but don't be attached to how you get there. And I think that's the biggest thing I've adjusted to is I've always been so focused. This is what I want. I got to get it. Yeah. And, you know, I've done two, well, one career change. I went from sports journalism to mm-hmm. software sales, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it more aligned for what I was looking mm-hmm. for. And now I'm kind of, I think, just sitting back and analyzing a little bit to then make the, you know, obviously if I could just do this podcast and it paid the bills and I could see the people that I'd like to see bring their stories on and talk sports, yep. that's all I would want. Yep. Can that happen? I don't know. I'm just having fun with it and rolling with it. Yep. Outside of that, I got to find a means that can pay the bills and something that I enjoy, right? Yep. And um, you know what that is, I'm not sure yet, but there's so many things out there that I'm kind of just sitting back and just taking it in and letting things happen, which I don't think I've ever done that in my life. So. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I, was thinking, I don't know. Like, and I, I don't um, – all of my, all of my um, transgressions in my career, I'm sorry to – I can, I can tell you – so when someone asks me about like, how, how'd you have all this? How'd you do all this? How'd you succeed? You know, you have me on cause you're kind of curious to know like where I got to where I got. And, uh, my wife and I joke sometimes we say, well, do you want the hero version or the, or the, or, 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 or the victim version? You know, I'd be like, well, it's just, I was at this one job com- company that I was falsely fired because my boss did this and this and this versus, um, you know, there, there's, there's two stories to every, every situation. Right. And I think, uh, as hard as it is, the more you can actually stick to the story that involves your impact on the situation, the more free you'll be. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might temporarily feel better because it's nice to be viewed as a victim, um, especially in career situations. Um, but when I was able to kind of move freely about the cabin so to speak is when i got clear on my part in it all does it mean that the other person didn't mess up or they could have done better or it wasn't a terrible situation of course it you know that's that's still valid but i think when you only are putting your energy into telling one side of the story like you know even even um even at smart sheet like you know it's like um am i free to talk about this by the way yeah so like so even at smart sheet like even you know with with some of the frustrations I had there, it's very easy to be like, well, the only reason I left is because of X, Y, and Z and because of this person did that and I tried this and they would refuse and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, yeah, but I also kind of was a thorn in the, in the side. Like I kind of was that annoying manager that always had to say something, you know? And at some point it became very, very clear to me after like about a year that it just wasn't gonna be the case. But it was my refusal to play the rules of the game it's kind of like if you come into my house and you don't like my rules you either leave the house (laughs) or you play by the rules but it's when you don't it's like when you don't accept neither you're not going to leave and you're not going to play by the rules that's when i think suffering happens you know and um that it it wasn't until i kind of realized like no i kind of i i equally caused my the problem i equally caused the problem um that allowed me i think to move on you know, that's good. Yeah. So, um, 
and happy to give you more specific examples if you want. But like I, I, uh, I, I feel like it's a lot easier now that I, if I tell you the, the story where I, I was the fault, then I feel like for whatever, whatever reason, people, they appreciate that level of authenticity because I think we all deep down know that we play a role in our. Well, we don't get to hear it a lot, right? I mean, even yeah. the you know, the only podcast that I can relate to the most because it's one of the only ones I watch is Joe Rogan. But like, none mm-hmm. of them get into those details, right? We only get to hear the, you know, the topics that they want to talk about and who they are and what they're trying to accomplish or strive for. I, I, it's always good to hear the 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 downturns and the things people go through because until you usually go through them yourself, that's the only way you could learn. Well, and everyone, and everyone, um, everyone experiences it. I think you have to fail you know, forward, regardless. Though I don't think you could just hear from people and be like, "Oh, cool, I'll never get fail myself." But yeah, no, I, yeah, that, that, that's true. And I, I one thing um, uh, that it was really, really eye opening for me in terms of my career and relationships. I mean, it's hard not. I'm sorry, dude. Once you, it all comes back to this for for what I, this is why we still <laughs> love it. Is you know, this is it's in my DNA at this point, but. Um, something that we all have that we never disclose is our deal breakers or, uh, as long as, is. you know, I'm in it, I'm in this job as long as, or I'm in this relationship with you as long as, but the challenge is those as long as is those deal breakers are not disclosed fully. They're assumed, but maybe you don't always know them and you don't always know them exactly. So when they, that's actually a very good point. I totally agree with you, but when they come up rather than assuming that they should have known them like so essentially you're walking through life you're walking through your job you're walking through your new you know you, you accept a new offer at a company and you're kind of walking on land on eggshells or there's landmines that you don't even know exist and they don't you don't know uh you don't know they exist for the other person but you also don't know they exist for you like until that line gets crossed you're like whoa i just realized that that's 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 a no-go for me game over for me and usually when um, it's crossed then it's just the end of that relationship right but but that relationship could be a company you know and i think that that's i think uh it's kind of well it's kind of confronting to, to think about a little bit though but it's it's also really, really empowering when you think about if you're listening to this right now and you are feeling like you're stuck in your job or if you, if you even if you uh, have a history of uh, every job you've ever had you've gotten fired from or, or every job you've ended up quitting because you don't like it um getting really clear on like there might be some as long as there's a deal breakers that um, you haven't disclosed. And I think doing that is, I think that actually will help you. I bet uh, even after you leave Smartsheet, you're probably, you, you've learned probably, there's probably as long as there are deal breakers that you have that when you choose your next endeavor, it'll include those. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know? I don't know. Like, like that's the more building blocks and experiences you have, you the more that you know how to find the right fit, right? Because when I came to Seattle, I just wanted a job. I didn't know what the fuck, you know. I didn't have any as yeah. long asses or anything. But yeah. now that I have a resume and experiences, like if I were to leave and want another job, I would be very specific on what the details are, right? Because exactly. I've been through a few jobs and different experiences, and it's hard to learn until you just get through the fucking water and the ringer on those. Yes, and 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 then sometimes, sometimes I think when you when you just when you are confront them, they actually become no longer a deal breaker. You know, um, you know, in, the, in terms of our relationship with my wife and I, like, you know, a lot of people say like, "Till death do us part," but what we don't say in our vows is, "As long as you don't verbally abuse me," 
You know, it's like, well, that goes without saying. No, not for, not that's not true at all. There's plenty of couples that are in verbal abusive relationships and they're, they're married for 35 years, miserably, but they still are married, you know? Um, and it, but, it, but all of life is like that, actually. Because uh, I heard Tony Robbins, um, Tony Robbins, um, my boy T. Robbins, I love that guy. Uh, he, I like. Yeah. I watched his Netflix. I've never tuned into like one of his workshops. Oh, his I'm not your guru. Yeah. I love that one. Yeah, it's awesome. He says that I think it's that one. He said you get what you tolerate, and that's the same premise, by the way. Yep. Like you literally get what you tolerate. So just tell people what you're willing to tolerate, what you don't tolerate. Um, if you haven't you, watched that, watch it. It's a life changing so thing good. for sure. I mean, I would like to watch his webinars, but it's always at the wrong time. They're pretty expensive as well. But uh, my friends went to the one that he did. I think it was Key Arena before they shut it down. Yeah, and they said it was like game changer. Oh, it's it's insane. But no, I I I'm sorry, Shane. I keep I keep bringing this back to that path. Yeah. So I I, I don't want to. You know, if you, if you want to change the subject, we, we no, we, it's totally. it's fine. Um, that's good conversation. Like you yeah. know, that's a conversation I feel like not a lot of people talk about so it's good yeah um I do want to go back to the college thing though because sure. I'm very intrigued with this coming from Montana like I said only the University of Montana was my only option really you know maybe I, I applied to other big schools but I knew that I wasn't going there I just wanted to see if I could get accepted more than anything yep. because the tuitions are too high and I just didn't have the money and didn't want to be in debt my whole life but coming out here and I'm driving there's this community college there's this technical college there's Lutheran college there's all these damn college options Coming through here as a kid, did you know, did anyone direct you or guide you to where you want to go? Or is it literally just this buffet table to see what the hell or, hey, my best friend's going here. I want to go here. Because I feel like that's so interesting in the life of cities. Like, there's just so many damn mm-hmm. options. And it's like, how do you pick the right one? Where for me, it was like, I could only go to a state school. Like, fuck community colleges. Those, you know, those are for losers is the way I would think of all those uh, options. Yeah. But like, how does how do you even pick or how do you recommend an option out here for something like that? I'm the worst person to give you advice on this. My mom. Your mom wanted I'm, you to go there. My mom. My mom went to PLU and you know you know in high school, dude. I'm like, oh, I don't know. And she's <laughs> like, go to PLU, and uh, it was you know a nice thirty thousand dollar school that I don't remember any a year. That I don't remember anything from besides playing Halo. And hanging out with friends and smoking hookah, and, <laughs> you know, getting drunk way too much. And my, you know, we, I think the my biggest memories are my. We decided to destroy our liver and say, like, "Let's see how many days in, in a row we can get drunk," which is really that's a smart idea in college. Uh, I mean, no, I I don't know. Like I I learned a lot, but in in college, but what I learned is not. I wouldn't say. It was more life lessons, and it wasn't, and that's, that's okay. Really what college that's, is, o- that's okay. Everyone yeah. always asks, like, "Well, how did okay. you know? Why'd you go? What do you, what do you take away?" Or the friends that I do have that graduate, oh, that was such a waste of fucking money. I was like, you know, just the life lessons that I had there and the experiences mm-hmm. that you go through. That's what college is. Yes. And anymore, like, does a degree really make a difference? In some industries, still does. Yes. And some, you know, like Amazon and other people are saying they don't require it anymore. So, you know, that that barrier is starting to be broken down. Yep. But if you do want to mature as a person, I feel like that's like a necessary step, right? It helps you mature. You're learning things on your own. You get a, a wealth of just crazy shit happening. Can you yep. manage that in school? I mean, there's just so many life lessons you learn. Maybe we should start a school. It's like a, a hostel, uh, like a hostel school where it's like they have like teachers that work practically for free. And it's like a community living where the goal of the college students is to have experience. They have education, of course. We could, you, I think you'd, it's important to practice that muscle. I mean, I went to school and I, I enjoy my writing, my essays. I can't and, remember anything and I no. don't think I could apply any one class that taught me no, shit. No, I, I 100% agree with you. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I took marketing, I took math, I took all that stuff. Um, and, and I think it helped 
make sure I didn't lose skills like writing and reading and things like that, um, even science and stuff. But yeah, all of my development was social, community, empathy towards others, realizing I'm not the center of the universe. Yep. Um, you know, you, 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 you need to fuck up so you can like keep growing. I, uh, I had to flavor my water. I, I, I drink, I drink quite a bit of water, but I had to flavor mine just if I'm going to pound it. If I want to like, like fruit in it or do, what do you do? No, I, it's like this. It's, it's probably not good for you. I, you know, it's funny. I get, speaking of good water, we got a Kangen machine. Uh, this is an advertise. I don't sell these at all, but they're like, they're kind of expensive, but they essentially your own personal one. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's like it's a few thousand bucks. It's a, it's a, it's an investment, but it alkalizes water essentially it increases the ph to 9.5 most city water is neutral at six per, uh, six ph which is is fine but we have like city al- water is not fine yeah yeah well, it's, it's filtered <laughs> what's well, so funny we think of purified and cleansed or purified water is a good thing all that purified means is there's, it's clean but clean doesn't mean it actually has a, a positive charge to it mm-hmm. but a lot of our body has um you know what create and creates inflammation is acidity and a lot of drinks like alcohol and pop and sodas and mixed drinks or OJ, a lot of our foods have high acidity content, which increases inflammation. And we know now that inflammation leads to uh, higher disease and bacteria can feed off of inflammation. And it thrives better in those environments. Uh, inflammation can cause headaches and stress and sleep issues. So um, the reason why, um, you know, if you look at like a lot of water sources like river, waterfalls, things like that, it actually positively charges the ions in the water, which creates a higher pH level, and it helps balance your body's pH levels. Um, so a Kangen machine essentially has a, pl- a magnetic plate that the water, it charges the water. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I already mentioned that earlier. And you get different flavor things out of it? Or? No, there's no flavors, but it's, so it's good. Wa- it still tastes like water, obviously. So if you want to like drink a lot of it, uh, I'll get like these powdered drinks at the dollar store you know like it's zero calorie i don't know it's probably gonna cause cancer well i'm always curious because i drink what's called ice it's just another brand i love ice me too but it says no sugar there's got to be fucking sugar in there Uh, well how do you get that flavor without sugar is it just hidden sugar you know like they don't have to label it because it's not fda certified or what um uh, yeah um my wife she's actually um she does she studied this uh for a while but um I know, you know, there's a lot of high-end sweeteners, as you know, like sativa, uh, sativa. <laughs> CBD they got sativa. sativa waters, oh shit. Uh, what, what's it called? I don't know why. Um, why am I, it's not sativa? sativa? Uh, uh, what's it called? Stevia? Stevia. Stevia? I don't know. Like, why do I not know that? Yeah, yeah. Zero calorie sweeteners, but I don't know, it's... My, you know, my, my wife's actually getting certified in like some sort of nutrition. One more thing we're doing. Yes. One more thing we're doing. I don't know. It's just, it's like we look at stuff and it's like, um, I don't know. I'm sure some Probably people because you this. get passionate about it. Once you're passionate about something, you just run at it. Well, that, yeah. You're, uh, yeah. What is it called when you're, you're just an addictive personality maybe? Well, but, but it's, it's aligned with our, our, our vision. You know what I mean? It's like, so if you know health is a priority for you. Yeah, you're gonna be more susceptible to buy more, you know, exercise classes, supplements, things that are are good for your, you know, what I mean. So, so Sierra and I, we really buy into things that are around adventure, health, wellness. Yeah, I think it's just yeah, we're a little more higher octane, higher energy people, and we want to maintain that lifestyle as much as we can. Uh, so yeah, it's like no different than some people are more susceptible to, to other other aspects of you know 
whatever they do. But what, what were we saying about the flavored water, the sparkling water, and the um, different flavor waters? So no, I there I got a dollar store. I, I I literally just put flavor into the water. Just so I, I you know you have a half a gallon of water right there. I'll, I'll drink like. If, I, if it's flavored, man, I could pound a half a gallon. I could probably See, pound I'm that I'm enjoying thing. just regular water now because there's yeah. so much bullshit water that I just... Yeah. Original water. Just normal water, baby. But I, I like to change it up with the flavored waters, but I feel bad drinking them. And I'll, I'll buy them because I could drink a lot of these, but it's like it's, there's got to be some shit in here. There might They're, be. They can't just be fully healthy. It's too good to be true. Well, ice... The thing is, uh, carbonation uh, it depends. A lot of carbonation is, one, bad for your bone marrow, but it also does have a lot of acidity in it, too. So... Uh, it's like I don't know man I'm like right in the middle I'm like easy it's funny because I'm like all this health stuff but I'm also like well I also smoke um, I don't smoke I will do a joint here and there or a cigar right or you're a cigar guy too uh, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a cigar guy but I like a cigar it's good it's it's enjoyable I I'll, I will buy one like if I'm in, whenever I'm in Mexico I always buy a cigar or like, like Canada like the I get real a Cuba. tobacco shit then yeah like a nice yeah I don't I don't get like a six dollar cigar but I wouldn't say I'm a cigar smoker but I like to smoke cigars. You know what yeah, I mean? I get it. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like I wouldn't say I'm a a, a weed smoker, but I definitely do gummies. I'm <laughs> so. not a sports analyst for hockey, but I enjoy it. Same thing. Yeah, exa- exactly. Exactly. So. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So people that listen to the Business and Buckets Weekly, they could tell. Like, I'll try. I'll, I'll put hockey in there, but I'm like, God, they're gonna fucking hate me because I just don't know it that well. Like, I could show you just from an observer what's going on, but I can't get in deep like I can the other. Well, sports. maybe I can come back on later when I get my Kraken Seattle Kraken tickets. Oh God, um, that's gonna um, be another wave of shit that I'm not ready to be for. Okay. When I moved out here, you're talking about the Seahawks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hated it because you have all these tech people that aren't sports fans. Oh yeah. Outside of the Seahawks being good, just yeah. for people history lesson in seattle sports they had nothing besides the the woman's wnba that did well they were reigning champions year to year no one even gave a shit yeah you know it's, yeah but like the baseball team was trash the football team was trash everything was trash we lost, they lost sonics. the sonics and then they're still <laughs> butthurt i don't watch basketball no more we um, don't. yeah but uh during the wave of the seahawks everyone that was fans were these dudes that don't even know football you yeah. know, they're like, oh, I fucking love this. You know, fuck you guys. Fuck the Steelers. It's like, dude, do you even know who your running back is? Oh, I fucking fuck you. You know, and I, oh, man, dude, it would just piss me off. It's like yeah, yeah, my yeah. grandma became a Seahawks fan. She never watched football. Then she's like, oh, the Seahawks are looking good. Your Steelers suck. You know, like that yeah. was the shit. So I just could tell once hockey comes, yeah. everyone's going to be like, it's like the Sounders. Same yes. thing. Yeah. Hardcore, like, oh, go Kraken. Everyone else can suck on the Kraken's dick. <laughs> and they're like, don't even know how hockey's played. So but I, everyone We'll have season tickets. It'll be yeah. so much fun. So I have, I have, a, I have a contradicting opinion on that. So, I, what do you think about this? An oh, honest opinion. And um, I think that's a good thing because I think, is it, is it so bad? All it's annoying for the. It's annoying energy. when they're up in your face and they don't even know the sport. Yeah. No. I. No. I think you know. They no, got the money to go buy all the shit. You know, be a part it, of something. You know but... what it is? It's a bless. You, it's a bless you moment where you have to be like. It's like, you know when you have someone who coming at you hot and you have to be like, and you know they're talking out of their ass, you have to just be like, I'm, 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 I'm glad that you're excited. You know, you kind of pet them on the head a little bit. It's like that. Because it's like, at the same time, I think Seattle, what it is is Seattle, including myself, I went from like, I, I watched, I've, I've watched football since eight, I was 18, right? So not like mine was a little kid, but I became a football fan when I in college. And, but I, be, I wasn't, I was like, meh, I was a bandwagon fan with Seahawks because they sucked, right? But then when they started to do really, really, really well with Russell Wilson, I became that like hardcore, like I even debated like, maybe we should get a Seahawks t- uh, tattoo. I don't know. I'm like, I'm like all oh about God. this. Like you should look at my Facebook wall. 
uh, in 2012, you know? I was like, don't hold back the tears, guys. This is legendary. I, so maybe I was that annoying guy. At the same time, I've been a pretty big fan ever since. But I will say that what it what showed up for me is is like there's a, a sense of like, especially in Seattle, is a sense of like, as annoying as it is, a belonging. Like they, there's, a, I think, goes back to Spark. They they wanted, I think the city like wants to come together. Yeah. Because, it, because you mentioned the Seattle's growth. Like there's, there, we're such a melting pot now. Like the, like, I would say nine out of ten times, if you just went on went into Seattle and just tapped someone on the shoulder, like New York now or any major city, they'd be pissed. No, or they don't. <laughs> no, they're not. They're not native. Oh no, no, they're no. like, oh, I don't know. I moved here a couple of years ago. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I think Seattle is this melting pot of unrelated people and belonging. And I agree. You know, I, I was a hard ass about it, and my cousins hated it because like, you just hate Seattle. Everything. Why the fuck do you live here, right? <laughs> but. Um, you know, the construction crews got the Seattle Seahawks on all their cranes. And, yeah. you know, all the, the big buildings had Seahawks, yep. like, lighting in their floors. Like, it was a cool little sense, and I was glad to be a part of it. And yep. that game that they beat the Packers where they shouldn't have, they were down, like, basically, you were like, we need this to happen, then this, then this, then this, and we could come back. And all those things, all those things happened. fucking happening. I was like, dude, this is, this is crazy. Like, God's on their side. Yeah. And as I was driving back home from my cousin's, um, which my favorite view is in a nice day with the sun coming from South Lake Union over the bridge. You see the boats. And then it was oh, a dude. big double rainbow over the oh, city. Dude, and I was dude. like, damn, like this city's just being blessed right now. Like it was really cool. Yeah, that, no, that there's, there was something magical about that season. That wasn't that, that yeah. They, I mean, that defense too that year is just, yeah. It's, it's, and then the next year they lost and um, they had the camera crews downtown prepping to win the, the thing. I'm like, this is where everyone was supposed to be, but it's crickets right now. Oh, but anyways, my God. Um, but, but let's just go through a little bit of yeah. your professional expertise while we sure. have a little bit of time left sure. with everybody and, and how you got into software sales. <laughs> So we went to the Lutheran uh, College. <laughs> Were you working at that time? Have you had jobs in high school, or have you not oh. had any work experience? Um, well, I wanted to be a professional gamer. I'm not actually joking uh, about that. I, I, I played Halo about um, 14 hours. A, I'm, I'm not joking. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm not saying hours joking. I mean, <laughs> like, you got to realize I, my generation was the first generation where, you know, I didn't have the blessing of having all the latest and greatest games, so I wasn't as involved. I was yeah. a 64 guy. Yep. Uh, but as games became big, you know, this was a weird turning point where parents were like, this is bad for you, this is not good. And then, you know, sure, shit, here we are, esports and kids are getting paid millions of dollars. You know, yep. like, oh again, you can't always just listen to what people are telling you. Like, yeah. if you're into something, you can make it something. But One of my best friends is actually makes six figures on Twitch. Oh, yeah. I have a few friends that are pretty big on that. They don't make six figures, but they get paid like at least 15 G's a month or something. Yeah, isn't that... Wait, 15 G's a month? That's six figures. With sponsor... uh, They're sponsorships, though, not just from Twitch. Still, though. That's incredible, dude. Um, Wow. Yeah, but it it does kind of imprison you because he's like, yeah, you don't don't get a benefit, so you have to afford all that stuff. And and like the second you take time off your your viewership dwindles so well, you usually you know, have to put in a certain amount of hours per yeah, week, no, right? yeah he yeah he puts in he does <coughs> he, he does eight hours a week uh on that but anyhow so i went i was gaming a lot and uh that's probably how how i didn't you know my wife my wife girlfriend at the time made it through college because i was wasn't i wasn't fucking around at parties <laughs> with playing video games it was also a dry campus which is not fun for college my college experience was definitely a little bit uh shadow but um no so yeah i mean i i literally took the first job out of college i was like just i blindly was interviewing everywhere and it, you know i just you know it was right in, i graduated in 2007 I worked at a small nonprofit, you know, with at-risk youth in Tacoma, 
and Tacoma, you know, it's a it's a troubled space. And there's a lot of there's a lot of um, there's a lot of unfortunate families that live there in really tough tough situations. So I, that was really rewarding. Was it a full time job? Uh, it was a full time job. Did and, it pay the uh, bills? Working um, a nonprofit, or was it, it more of just like your first? I got paid ten, ten bucks an hour. I mean, so I mean, it paid it paid my hookah and and, and uh, <laughs> beer. And you know, I was what was your brand of choice back you know, then? At the time, well, there's this one guy that sold to underage people uh, <laughs> that I got. Henry Weinhards was my first. Oh name. Jesus! But no, as I moved on to like some more good IPAs and stuff later, and this is where I got all my yeah, weight yeah. from IPAs. <laughs> After college, I moved out here. Oh, was like, a, oh, IPAs! These are fucking great. Uh, I love and then IPAs. I didn't realize I was like drinking a dinner. <laughs> I know. I, I love IPAs. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah I don't I, drink those anymore. I stick to other things, but yeah, it's uh. So I, anyhow, I I took the first job I could, and it was it was a company called Active Network. So the guy who started Porch, I'm not sure if you know Porch at yep. all. So Matt Ehrlichman, Matt Ehrlichman, uh, interview with him, and it was, he's just like, hey, I just sold my company from Thrivent, and but he's like, we're looking for software sales reps, and this is like in 2008, and it's funny, I literally had to Google. He's like, yeah, you're in the tech sector, and the tech sector is so vague at the time. I literally had to just Google all my leads. I, was, I got paid 32K. 32K was my salary. Was commissions, I'm sure? OTE of uh, on-target earnings of, uh, I think it was like 75. And how old are you at this time? I was 22. Yeah, that's 21. pretty good for here, though. No? Yeah, yeah. Good with roommates and stuff, yeah. And was, this was at Porch? Uh, no, no, sorry. Um, he's now at Porch. So, Matt, no. But this what is was at, the product you were selling? Then? So this is Active Network. It's event registration software. So like if you're having a big conference or like an event, which, you know, literally the reason they hired me so for so cheap is because events probably were the worst thing to sell against in the recession. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> like my, you know, like it was, con- I literally, we sold conference software. <laughs> It's true. That sells for you. Oh, yep. I mean, that's why I asked how you got into sales. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a perfect story. Of, so, yeah. no, my, my very first, I thought that was normal. Like, oh, yeah, I, I was sold against a very cold market. And people would like, <laughs> hang up, you know, like, hey, are you having any big conferences this year? And they just like laugh and be done. I sold one deal in nine months. So I was bad. I got fired. I got fired. And, and I remember uh, my, my boss said, hey, Zach, maybe sales isn't for you. You know, maybe you're not cut out for sales. And then, so I was unemployed. It's kind of depressed for a while. I, I did. I painted a little bit because I was. My dad taught me how to paint. So he worked painting up. What kind of paint? Uh, house. I painted houses. Okay. My I dad did the, yeah. like a college prototype thing in, in college. Yeah. That was my first entrepreneurship sales okay. experience. Yeah. 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 So my best friend ran a college pro business. Yep. So I painted with him for a little bit, but no, I, I did a lot of just separate contract work for through painting. Uh, mainly because my dad was a professional painter, so he hooked me up with jobs. Which, by the way, if under the table. With unemployment, you can make some good money, some really good money. Yeah, yeah. I could tell by my taxes. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I would literally, make, I can make like three thousand bucks in a week. Well, yeah, you know? I mean, I had friends that were getting paid more with this unemployment through COVID than they were in their job. Yeah, you get the stimulus. I know exactly. <laughs> I was whole, like, whole "Fuck you guys!" I, I didn't get nothing. <laughs> See, seriously, I know. Um, so yeah, no, I did that, and, um, and then I applied. And then this company called PayScale reached out and was like, um, "You want to apply? Like, we just let go of half our team. We're looking." How long were you off? Uh, about nine months as unemployed. How'd that go? Were you in like a fuck? I'm like becoming an adult. I'm unemployed. We didn't Were have... you cool with it? Well, my wife was working three jobs, and I was an asshole, um, just playing video games all day. And she put the team on your back. Yeah, she. She. What'd you say? She, she put the team on your back. Yeah, on her back. Oh yes, big time. Yeah, she was working like five a.m. to like eleven at night. What kind like of sometimes. jobs? Everything. She was a barista. She worked at a small gym, uh, and then she worked at nights. Um, 
where did she work? It was like a, I think she was at another co- I think two different coffee shops. Oh, she damn. Worked, yeah, she worked, yeah. Wow. You know, you know when you're, she was 20, yeah. you know, so you know, you were taking a job you can get. Yeah. Um, but I joined a small company at Payscale and, uh, and, uh, you know, I remember saying like, this is the last sales job I'll ever do. But I, one thing I told myself is like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. Like if I'm going to commit to this again, I want to, I want to go all out. So I, I didn't have a car at the time. So I rode uh, with a bus, uh, into Seattle. I was in the East coast territory in my new job at Payscale. It's the first job since 2009. And, uh, I literally bought as many sales books as I possibly could. And I probably went through a book every single week. And I just read sales books non non like nonstop. I just tried to become a student of the craft. Did you actually um, enjoy it though, or did you feel like that was just the it. only job you could get? No, I actually loved it. So keep in mind selling at Payscale with it's it's compensation software. So it's all about finding I used to use this example when I'm hiring people all the time, and if you're listening, I would really think about it uh, from this perspective as well. It's like a polar bear and a lion, right? Both are amazing creatures, fantastic beast, um, magical and there's nothing inherently wrong uh, about both, but if you flip environments, they're going to die. Polar bear just won't survive in the heat, and the you know a lion's going to die in the Arctic. It doesn't mean a lion is shitty. Lions are badass, but in the wrong environment, they're going to fail. It's no different than yourself. So if you feel like you, you're especially if you're in sales, especially sales, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean if you're a marketing major or an accountant, you have to find uh, your tribe creates your vibe and your vibe attracts your tribe. And um, that is something I, I, I realized very quickly is I'm like, oh my God, these are my people. I was selling, you know, keep in, keep in mind, Payscale is all about market, individual market compensation software where they helped identify individual skills and values and really help people get the right worth for what they offered in the market. And how many people were working at Payscale at the time? At the time, 40. Jesus, but they grew. We helped them grow to eight hundred. Yeah, is there? Are they public? Uh, no, they're not. They're not public, no, but they. Private. They, but they are uh, heavily uh, invested in. They got a yeah. hundred million dollar investment, and uh, multiple investments. And you know, they're the, one of the number one providers in the space at the time. And uh, yeah, so I think you start to realize, oh my God, I'm I'm selling something that impacts people. It impact impacts people's livelihood. Um, hundred percent of the people I sold to were. At the time, at the t- is a it's like RNs. It was a very heavily female-dominated industry, and I just connected really, really, really well with people in HR space in general. Um, and it, yeah, it's like your vibe created, you know, your vibe in your tribe. It's the same thing. Like it's just I found my people and I found the people I connected with, and that's why I just would encourage everybody is to not to give up on. You know, you have to make sure you be a student of your craft, and if you're gonna try something new, don't go like half in to see if you like it. Go like go go all in, and commit to it, and give yourself a period of time, whether it be a year. I told my wife, I'm gonna give this thing a full year, twelve months, and I'm gonna act like my life depends on it. And literally, all I did was read sales books. I woke up, I worked out, I read books, sat on the book uh, bus, did my job, stayed offline. Like literally, I made a point to not check Facebook or any of that crap, and just did my job for a full year. And I just just wanted to see what if I still couldn't do it, then damn it, it's not for me, you know. It sounds like one of my mentors. He did the same thing because 
you know, what sells a lot of people that aren't in sales, you know, they take like the sleazy car salesman, like, oh, you're just a fucking salesman. And like, I felt bad working in sales when I first started because I was like, God, this is terrible. Like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. But they paid me based off my merit, which was never something that any other job would do. Right. If exactly. I was great at news reporting, sports reporting, they weren't like, oh, sweet, we'll give you more money right away. It's like, no, you're going to go through the whole seniority thing. Yep. Where, you know, they actually gave me opportunity and I was making money and. For me, I was able just to commit to it, and I yep. was making more money than anywhere else, so that I kind of just got stuck in there. But yeah, keep going. Sorry. That, no, that no, I, I I second what you're saying. I think that's the one thing I love about sales. It's one of the few jobs out there is run if anyone has a cap on your performance. First off, um, but I love about sales is it's it's really you can literally make infinite money, assuming you can keep selling, and but it's the people who sell the most are actually more concerned about solving problems of the customers. And I don't think I've ever seen that to be true. No one's been able to sustain long-term success and feel fulfilled in what they're doing if they're not positively impacting the, the lives of, the, of their... I mean, I was selling software. I remember Stephanie Dotson, Quicken Loans. I'll never forget it. 2009, my first deal that I ever sold to, $30,000. They were moving their entire facility into Michigan. It was a big deal. And she wrote me a follow-up quote after I closed the deal. And she said, Zach, I got to say, like, because you called me, like, I literally cold called her out of the blue. Uh, I think she, well, she came in as a lead form. Um, and then I kind of, I think it was like sitting there for a while. I'd give her a call. So it was like a warm cold call. Like, and um, she downloaded some article. And she sent me, in, and she ended up buying the software. And she said, Zach, I got to say, like, the software you, you sold us, yeah, so far we've been able to make life-changing raises to some of our IT team. We had a depressing turnover. People were leaving us. They hated working at Quicken Loans. And I don't know if you've ever seen this in their in their marketing material, but they have like one of the highest employee satisfaction ratings and customer satisfaction ratings. And she pretty much said, like, because we're because of the data we we're able to provide, they're able to communicate pay better, they're able to have more meaningful conversations with their staff, they're able to train their senior level staff on how to have tough conversations with employees. This is a big fucking deal. This is people's livelihood. This is the money they bring home to their families. You know what I mean? Not just that, it's the company's number one expense. It's a big, big deal. And like I gotta say, I was able to fly it. I literally would be excited to go to bed on Sunday just to get my ass into work. And I think that is that is a privilege. Like that is like I realized that is a a moment in time that I I was like ecstatic to wake up in the morning because I was a polar bear in the Arctic. I was home, and I think that's I think all of us crave to be in a space that fills our cup in that way, you know. And I would say all of my career advancement started there, and I am so thankful I got fired from my job. If I didn't get fired from my job. I wouldn't be where I was at, right there. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't even be sitting here. I wouldn't even work that smart sheet with you. Yeah. And where did you go from? Because you stayed there for a long time, right? Eight years. Eight years. Yeah. <clears throat> did you keep earning different titles, or what did that look like? Yeah. So I ended up being the director of an entire mid-market sales team and a kind of mid mid to large company, like you know, hundred to two thousand employees segment. So I'm gonna pump the brakes there. Yeah. <clears throat> if I'm listening to this and I'm like, this guy went from a company of forty people to a director. Mm -hmm. How does that happen? What uh, What's the progress there? Was it just that you guys kept growing and you kept getting a better title because you performed well? Like, what did that look like? Well, first off, you have to be very, you know, it's easy to be like, well, because me, me, me. But I am very present to the fact that it was dumb luck. Like, I happened to get fired the same month that, you know, I'm sorry, I got fired from my first job, you know, unemployed. 
and then this company happened to be hiring because they downsized and they wanted cheaper labor, really. I took the, you know, I took the risk with them. And it just, I happened to get hired and I happened to make that decision to be like a student of my craft and I happened to do well. So I had to kind of go through all those steps first. But then after I did all that, I got to a, I got to a place where I, I, I mean, I, I was just, I was so worried about doing what I can control that it put me in a position, I think it kind of started to turn eyes a little bit. So when you say how, it's like, well, naturally when you're starting to kick ass and take names, the company's growing. And I was fortunate, unlike other companies, I was fortunate to be in a company that overly valued internal promotions. If they're gonna promote anybody, they're gonna reward the people there first. And they're not gonna try to hire externally when people internally know more about the company's workings. So um, uh, if you look at the reason for a lot of promotions and career advancements, you don't have to look very far that I had a champion. I had someone that was willing to put their name, my put their neck out there for me. So Emily Jensen, give her a shout out. Yeah, uh, Emily. Emily Jensen. <laughs> no, but she was willing to vouch for me with our CEO. You know, so um, I, part of me, I would say, is dumb luck, man. Like, I love it. I just was that ha- for the director role or for uh, that was so I was promoted from a, a manager to a. I applied for a couple other times to like the SMB team and a few other, you know, small business team and a few other groups that didn't make the job. And then, but then she said like, look, I, we didn't want you for those jobs because we were waiting for this one job to open. I wanted to give you a shot at it. Did they tell it. you that at the time or later? Uh, no, it's just no. But then my response when I got rejected from the small business job was like, thanks. I just, I just wanted to thank you for the, I wrote a thank you note to the CEO. So that's, that's the thing too, is you got to lose with grace. So I applied twice and I didn't get the job, but I wrote a thank you note to the CEO, the C- vice president, the COO, and my manager. Uh, and I just said like, hey, thank you for the opportunity. Um, just working here is a privilege. And the fact that I even was able to be considered is an honor. And I want you to know that I'm gonna, regardless of, even though I didn't get the job I was hoping for, I'm gonna commit to just kicking ass in the current role I'm at. And I look forward to trying again. I believe that uh, Mike came came to my desk and had said, hey, this one, that was a great letter. Like, ni- nice job, essentially. Nice rejection <laughs> response, you know? Um, and I think that was a little bit of a clue. But um, and so within about a month, I got promoted to a sales manager of the of the mid-market team. And they did that for about two years and was one of the top teams in the company. And it's like a part of it is just it's like live at right place, right time, a little bit of a dumb luck. But I would, I would, I would put it into three quadrants. You have preparation, you have skill, and you have luck. Um, One of the questions I was going to ask at the end is, do you feel like your professional uh, career was dumb luck, skill, or right place, right time? So Yeah, and I would say prep, skill, luck. You can have the skill and no prep. You know, if you're not prepared to take advantage, you're going to screw up, you know. Uh, but if, you, if you're prepared, but you have no skill, I'm sorry. Some, no matter how hard I try, I'm not going to be in the NBA. <laughs> like, I cannot work as hard. And I, I don't care. I will never be as good as LeBron James. It's, it's physically impossible, okay? Um, but I can prepare. And I can be better at it. But there's only so much I can do because my, my skill is just not inherently there. So you have your skill, you have your, your preparation, and then you have dumb luck. And I think you, but people are so like, well, he got lucky. Yeah, but he was also took advantage of the opportunity when it came. 
the pos- <clears throat> I feel like a string of one of me and my best friend talk about this all the time. It's like a string of positivity and the right actions. You just fall into luck a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, my boss used to always have. She used to always have a really cool quote saying like, "The harder I, I work, the luckier I get." Yep, that's the and, quote uh, he likes. Yeah, and it's true. It's like, you know, we all are um, have our ups and downs, but just you got to put yourself in the best position to succeed. And you know, I, I think about this. I actually was talking with my current CEO about this the other day. Is I was having some a tough go on some demos, and because uh, we're 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 at a startup now. We're at like we're like there's like me and the CEO, essentially. And um, I was saying, like, what I don't, he's like, well, those aren't, keep in mind, those aren't very good leads. So, like, you know, make the most of them. I'm like, you know what? Even if there's a 1% chance that I can close it, I want to know what that 1% is. Like, what you're saying is there's something I could say, or there's something I can ask that would put me in a position to capitalize on the 1% chance. I want to make sure that if that 1% chance shows up, that I can snatch it. Mm-hmm. And it's the worst situation to be in when you finally have a door open for you to your career or an advancement and you're not prepared. You show up late to work. You're hungover. Uh, you didn't read up on your assignment. You didn't, you know what I mean? Like, it's like the, the sep- was it, was it, does Russell say that? or some, I'm sure it's been around forever. <laughs> the separations and the preparation. Yeah, that's a common quote. Yeah, common quote that Russ likes to say a lot to the point where we like to give him credit, even though it's not his <laughs> quote. Um, and uh, every time I've been disappointed in my performance, it's usually I believe I have the skill, so I can't say it's not skill related because I'm usually in the environment, like the polar bear and the lion. I'm usually always in the environment where I'm successful, but I'm not successful if my preparation's not there. Mm-hmm. I might get unlucky. I might get lucky, but I'm going to guarantee failure if I don't put the things in order for me to succeed. Um, but also be responsible for my actions, you know, like, um, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to, if you're, if you're listening to this and you feel like, well, those are just some, some dudes that got the right place, right time. They got lucky. I don't think I'll ever be a director of sales. I don't think I'll ever be a senior manager. Yeah. (laughs) If, if you're already starting there, you got, you're already, you've already, here, here's. Uh, do you, are you familiar with Wayne Dyer? Don't think so. God, you got to check out Wayne Dyer. Big fan of Wayne Dyer. Um, What's he do? Is he? Uh, well, he's one of he's, he's one of the writer. yeah he's one of those like thought gurus kind of guys, you know. Um, where kind of Zen. Like Mark Twain. Uh, yeah, he's like a calm. He's like a very Zen like Tony Robbins. Okay. Like a very calm Tony Robbins. Uh, but he always said like, if you had a thought, that if you took action on that thought. It may or may not lead you to where you want it to go. Why on earth would you ever actively choose to take action on a thought that doesn't lead you to where you want to go? And it's like, it's kind of like, oh, what what do you mean by that? Well, nothing's 100% true per se, but it's the thoughts that we believe to be 100% true are the ones that get us in trouble. And I would say a lot of my advancements in my career is because I was naively, almost like ignorantly blind to the odds that were stacked against me. I actually thought that I can 100% succeed, even though it was probably 50%. Uh, I mean, but I, yeah, but I took action as if it was true. Because if you believe it's not true, why try? Like if you know, hey, hey, just Shane, I know you're applying for this job, but I guarantee you're not going to get it. And if you believe that, 
Why would you interview? Well, I believe in myself. So what you don't know, you don't know. Do I know? Are they going to, you know, if I apply, I get an opportunity. Well, then how do you know, right? They obviously let me have the opportunity. Yeah, but but it, the second you believe it's impossible, you've You're lost. Defeated. Yeah, of course. And that that's I think um, I think Tony I, I I think I just that resonated with me. It's like it's the thoughts that you believe that trip you up. Well, for me, it's all about the subconscious. Whatever you feed back there is what you believe, right? So if I feed myself negative or positive, confident energy before I sleep, my subconscious is going to you know, debrief and unpack that a little bit. And then the next day I'm going to live off those thoughts. So if I'm always just against myself, negative, I don't have a chance, I'm screwed, then you're just going to live that way. Or if I'm going to make a better way, I'm going to figure these things out. You're feeding yourself this fuel, right? Mm -hmm. You're feeding your subconscious fuel. And when we're not doing things, maybe you're just spacing out playing video games or you're sleeping, your subconscious is living off those thoughts. Mm -hmm. I can't remember where I learned this, but I've lived off that. It's like, you got to feed yourself the good fuel, right? Just like health. If I just keep feeding myself fucking shitty Arco gas, you know, like my engine's going to be screwed. Yeah. I got to give me that premium. I got to give me that, that good shit that, what did you call it? The What was the water? The ion? The, the, the ionized water. The ionized water, water, man. I got to pump that. I got to yeah. alkanize that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's, 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 uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of truth to that. It's, uh, brain food uh at Payscale, you know when i was really kind of rocketing my career and the, you know the reason i was even able to work at smartsheet at a nice you know publicly traded company and really work for one of the quote-unquote you know bigger dogs if you will in the space um you know Payscale is great but it's not not like i don't think Payscale is amazing i have a lot to thank for my career at the same time it's not gonna be it's not like it's not like one of those big aspiring companies that everyone wants to work at you know what i mean it's just it's you know but i think um and there's pros and cons to every company, but if you really aspire to be like a senior leader at your quote unquote um, prime company or whatever that is, um, you have to be willing to be responsible for the food you put into your, just like you're responsible for the food you put into your body. It's like, well, if you eat McDonald's every day, you're going to feel like shit. Yep. You know, if you drink every single day, you're going to feel like shit. If you re- what you're, be responsible for what you're reading. Every time I'm I'm super sad and depressed and anxious, because I'm on freaking I'm reading Facebook shit all day, you know. It's like my I'm, favorite quote is, "Your bookcase should be bigger than your TV." There you go. You saw yeah. My bookcase and my TV, but I got a long ways to go. <laughs> but you know, I got an 82 inch TV. I got like 20 books. <laughs> you, you know what? You know what's funny though, and it's like it's kind of embarrassing because I'm in the same way. We this isn't new. Like what we're saying isn't like new, but. It's like someone has to, at some point, someone's going to hear the same damn thing. Finally, they're going to, it's be the straw that that broke the camel's back. And I don't think anything we're saying is new. No, I know it's not new. It's been around for hundreds of years. Um, But sometimes in the right mindset, in the right situation, someone listens to a podcast or they hear it from somebody and it, boom, changes their life. Yep. And I think there, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of power in that. And like, you've seen my, my styles. I'm definitely not, I'm not a spreadsheet manager. I'm not like, well, were you, were you, did you become the, were you able to kind of advance in your career? And it seems like you're someone who we kind of, uh, I want to, you know, know how you made it to your, I don't feel special by any stretch of the imagination at all. I feel like just an average guy that's just trying to work and has, has a family. But I understand that some people that are either younger, either younger in their career, or just young, whatever they're at, or they just want to, hey, you seem like you have your, your shit together. I'm like, well, dude, like, I I don't know if it's any of that per se. It's just at some point you have to be able to, I want to say, um, I want to put this, be responsible for 
be, you have to be, respo- you have to, you have to be responsible for how you're showing up in the world. And I think you're, you're rolling it all. And I think, and, and I'm trying to like, I'm trying to think of the right way to put that is it's like people, you don't, you don't get to say you want a million dollars while you're playing GTA all day long, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, there's a lot of that. And I'm okay with being, sometimes I, you know, Shane, I'm telling you, man, there's sometimes this year where I'm like, I'm going to just play Call of Duty and drink oh, some dude. beers. And I, I stopped playing video games after probably, I tried to get into it freshman year of college, but I was so focused on graduating in four years because I knew I was paying this university money that I don't have. Yeah. So I had to get my shit together. I was like, okay, I can't. So I stopped playing video games. I started playing video games because of COVID and I'm really into Warzone because it's, I don't get to, I don't get to hang out with friends. So this is our social media wars on Fridays. We'll drink wine. The first one dies has to do push-ups or chug a drink. And it's like a fun event and I'm gaming. And yeah, I mean, working from home, there's some days I'm like, fuck dude, I just go fucking play Warzone on my 82 inch TV. And and, and so (laughs) Gary Vaynerchuk, he said this and like, look, no problem. Play NBA 2K, play your Warzone. I love Warzone too, by the way. We should hiccup. I think it's the best game yeah. there has ever been. I I I think I second that. Um, it's amazing. We should have a yeah a gaming podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, so I agree, but and I also accept that if I'm choosing to play Warzone all weekend, I don't get to look back on Monday and be like, oh, I'm so why, why is my life all shitty? I don't feel very like. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I was playing Warzone. <laughs> like, and that's okay. It's not bad. Just accept it. Like, I think, but it's like we live our life like we deserve something for free. And mm-hmm. it's just like, I don't know. Like, I, a lot of, of us yeah. just are jealous of other people's situations and we're not where, you know, that we want to be. And then we could, you know, we have this fucking Instagram or TikTok or whatever. And everyone seems to be living this lavish life and we're mad that we don't have it. That's what I feel. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, it's funny is I used to be really, really, I'm sure I'll get back to it and I probably should be, but I've been, used to be really active on social. Um, but since, uh, COVID, I, um, I don't know. I'm actually just trying to like, it's probably not good for my, like my own, um, brand or whatever you want to call it. But I don't know. I just have been trying to like be at peace with just not feeling like I have to like put something out there. It's like a fucking job, man. I mean, when I was a sports reporter, you have to do everything. You got to tweet the scores. You got to be the guy that's updated. You got to mm-hmm. post the story. And I got so burnt out that once I moved out here, like if you look at my Instagram, yeah. until I started the podcast, I had to post shit. Or like I tweet every once in a while. Mostly it's me fucking just retweeting because I'm too lazy to tweet. Yeah. But now I have to do on because I'm trying to build this brand, right? So now yeah. I'm active. But yeah, I mean, I, I feel you on that. Like it's it does good for you. It felt good when I was probably doing the coolest part things in my life, and I didn't have to post about it. Let me ask you this. No one needs you... to know. I had a good time, and I'm at peace of having a time. I'm just going to yeah. live my life and take it as it is. I didn't feel like, you know, in college, fuck, dude, if I had a good dinner, I'd have posted it. Yeah. You know, I needed everybody to know that Shane ate yeah. fucking steak and shrimp tonight. Yeah. yeah. But that, then I got older, and I was just so burnt out from the, the news report thing. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't need, no one needs to know. Do Why you... do they need to know? Do you ever feel like maybe it's maybe it's different? This is how I feel, and I feel like um, maybe I should just stop caring. I'm trying to do that a little bit, but yeah, maybe it's a. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts that I would love to share, but I'm like, well, why am I sharing this for me, or what am I really trying to share this? for? I think it's usually just for us. Yeah, and I'm like, like usually no one gives a shit. <laughs> yeah, and like it's like what what bugs me. Like you're asking me what bugs me today, and. Uh, just what Zach cares about is I just, I 
people say everyone says they're balanced, right? But I don't really think people are. And like and I'm willing to be convinced that I'm not, by the way. I but I I feel and I'm open. You could literally tear me apart on this. I'm actually I'm a love it if you if you if you think if you spot a hole. But I feel like I'm truly sounds very righteous of me in the middle in terms of like cultural and political environment of today where I see I can literally point at both sides and like and like and like poke fun out of them. However, I feel that we live in a world right now where depending on which side you poke fun of, you'll get just completely destroyed. Does it make sense? No, I agree. And I just sit back and let everybody else battle it out. Like it doesn't give me any personal value to fucking be one or the other. Um, yeah. That's you know, exactly, I'm not yeah. a very political person. I know it's our U.S. judicial <laughs> job to be yeah. aware and vote properly. And, you know, I did vote this year because last year I didn't vote and Trump won and I was upset about it. Mm-hmm. This year I voted for Trump. It's kind of funny how that worked. Yep. Uh, but anyways, I mean, like, you know, no one, it, it, you don't have to, I think it's like that own personal validation. Yeah. You know, that you have to do that. And I, I don't yep. think you really have to. Like, I just yep. sit back and like, you know, what I care about, what gives me value, that's all I should care about. And is that selfish? Sure. But if I'm around a network of people that's helping me continually grow personally, professionally, and we're all doing the same together, like, is that wrong? Absolutely I, not. I, I agree with you. No, and that, that's, that's, I think that's the kind of world I want to live in. And well, I think we're think... starting to live more of that because so? we have so many voices out there. I hope The so. problem is, is that it, everyone feels like because of the generation, the way we've grown up is you have to pick a side. Yeah. You have to be this or that. It's like, well, why do I have to? Or, or can I agree with you on like these three topics, but disagree with you on the other yeah, three exactly. topics? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know? people like to debate, right? That's why I'm in sports. I love to debate. I feel yeah. like I know more than everybody. Who, right? so, so, <laughs> so just for, just for fun, who, who's the, uh, who's the greatest of all time in football? The greatest goat. I literally last episode. Yeah. It's well, Hopefully it's uploaded now. It's this 4K video takes forever to upload, but I did a goat of all goats, and it's Tom Brady. Yeah, it's kind of hard. I would say like he might be the goat. Of it's all the toughest sport to win. It's a team sport. So for me, there was three variables. Okay. Individual versus team. Is it harder to win individual or team? Well, definitely team. So yeah. sorry to the individual athletes, but that eliminates yeah. you because you control your destiny. Tom Brady yeah. can't necessarily control it. If the defense is fucking garbage and the coaching's garbage, he's, he's probably going to lose. Annihilate. In yeah. fact, you could argue, you can argue that uh, the loss against the Giants and was it twice? Oh eight. It was twice. So they lost twice. Yeah. Both. So Imagine they, that Tom Brady would have nine Super Bowls if it wasn't for fucking Eli Manning and that defensive line. I know, right? Crazy. I know. It's like, and it's like if they just didn't stop him, he would have had nine Super Bowls. He could have almost had his entire hand. It's fucking disgusting, yeah. And I want to hate him because he beat the Steelers, and I'm a Steelers fan. But, I mean, he's an underdog, right? So you got to root for him. Like, he literally is the epitome of what it's like to be an underdog. He never really started until Drew Bledsoe went out and he started winning Super Bowls. That's crazy. That's insane. Like, if you feel like it's too late to make a career change, it's totally false. I mean, he's a very epitome of that. Yeah. Um, But my other variable was, so team sport or individual, leading categories, statistical categories of the sport. Love MJ, but he barely leads any categories anymore, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? By the time LeBron's done, he probably will. Yeah. But Tom Brady leads like every fucking category. Yeah. Regular season, postseason, Super Bowl, yep. like everything. So that's yep. another one. Yep. And I forgot what the third one was, but yeah, I mean, to me, it's just. Do you do you take into consideration though? Do you take into consideration the the era that they're, they're in? So my big thing was my theory is bigger, faster, stronger. Okay. This sucks that Joe Montana didn't have the training, the supplements, the athletic training, the recovery that they have today, but the athletes today are better than they were then. 
It's yeah. just we, we yeah. get better over time. So when we're talking the goat of all goats, the people in this generation, the LeBrons and the Tom Brady's are better than what they were before because if it wasn't for Mon- Joe Montana <laughs> yeah. and Michael Jordan, they wouldn't be who they are today. Yeah, that's So true. when we talk, and, and, you know, a lot of the people that are a little bit older than me yep. that grew up during Joe Montana, MJ, they want to debate that. But it's, to me, it's like, there's not a debate, dude. Like, these kids, like, dude, look at Adrian Peterson. These athletes that we have today are doing things that we thought were impossible back yep, in the day. Yep. And that's not at the other athletes' faults because these athletes want to be who they are without them. But if we're talking who's the best, who really is, these athletes have an upper hand. I 100% agree with you. Yeah, I I, I like. And it's that. only going to get better over time. And I like that rec- I like that recognition. And I, I feel like you know, it's it's okay. This is where I think there's so much. There's so many goddamn parallels between sports and and business. I, I will I will fight you if you argue argue with me on that because it's right in front of your face. If you look at even what we just talked about, sales. Okay, and we're in sales. I mean, there's a lot of other career options out there. But you know, you and I both being in sales, we we can relate and. Um, Selling today is 100% different than selling in 2009. Oh, for sure. Are you like, are you kidding me? Like, I literally hopped online. I had a list. I just called the number. <laughs> I left the voicemail. <laughs> called the number. And I, just, I manually logged it. And I, I had to call like 40 to 60 people. But it was like, I didn't have to search. It was just like right there. And I just, and I was done. And I, I went home. And now it's like, you have like all these, like, you are so exposed with like, outreach and hubspot and this and that and this dollar dollar and all these crazy metrics that you can't like there's like it's like it's it's today's version of like well we have slow-mo and like infrared we can see your muscle heat signatures or where you're expending all of your energy like it's but i also feel the customers adapted that we almost have to have these things to get through because you the do. days of just dialing down a list, people are just not going to give you the light of the day, right? I agree. And like you pretty much can't be a professional athlete these days unless you're hacking. Oh yeah, pretty much. You have to I mean, have look hack supplements, fucking, hack, yeah, hack recovery. Yeah. Back, I, I, so I, so I'm watching the last dance on the from Michael Jordan. I've seen. I'm sure you've seen that. Of or, course. Yeah, and like uh, there was a couple of videos right after the game. He's just drinking like he was a Gatorade. It's like which is high in sugar. High in water, like it's just water and sugar. It's but at like, the time, it was like he's the not best drinking thing ever. You know what I mean? He's not drinking like like uh, creatine, BCAAs, yeah. like you know, like all these like recovery supplements. It's just insane. But but it's the same thing applies to the work environment. I saw a good quote uh, around like um, it's becoming increasingly a, a red flag for those that, and I've kind of been confronted by this a little bit getting older. Um, the inability to adapt to like new technologies because it's like. I don't, you can argue like, well, it's just different and like the technology is taking over our lives. But look, that's just where you have to be able to ride the wave and not resist it. And I think a lot of times in, in my career, I've, I've kind of resisted temporarily something. And I don't know, like I, I feel like being a individual sales rep nowadays, maybe it's different because they're, they're, they're young and like they're, they like I would have a hard time going back to, like an SDR, like a, uh, someone who schedules demos. I'm not sure if everyone knows what SDR is. Well, yeah, is. I think it's also, you know, like you said, the changing of times. I mean, <clears throat> you know, when I was a kid and, you know, technology, I've kind of lived through this advancement of technology just at the right age where I was still a part of, I had to knock on my friends' doors to hang out. I couldn't text them or, yeah. you know, whatever. Like, I was literally knocking on their doors and their parents were like, what the fuck? But, uh, you know, like, it was just a whole different world that I grew up into where it is today. And now I feel for the older people, like, fuck, dude, I don't want to be eight years old. What's technology going to be like then? I'm not going to even know how to communicate with the people. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like you got to have that sense of awareness and you got to be able to relate because 
yeah, I mean, like, shit, dude, if you went to SCR, I'd feel terrible for you. Like, this guy's going to be, you know, like, you have to learn a whole, you have to learn to start over. You know, the building blocks of what made you successful will help you, but, like, dude, there's just so many new processes and ways of doing things now. Do, do you ever want to just, like, run away to, like, some commune and just live in Hawaii or something like that? Yeah, my always getaway story to my mom was, you know, if I just fell at life, I'm just going to be a ski bum. Live by the mountain, meet cool people, make I'll enough to home. live there, and I'll shred the best powder all the time. Dude, that's, I know. Oh, I mean, I miss. But I now miss as I get older, I mean, shit, it's even different snowboarding now than when I was a kid. You know, I used it to is. be invincible. I'm like, shit, I'm, I'm, I'm 28 years old. I'm already thinking about, shit, I got to start skiing soon. Like, you know. Oh, like, my God. <laughs> like, you know, like, I, know. I can't do this shit forever. I mean, yeah. you can't. That's like, dude. Everywhere I go and I see old people kicking ass, that's why I love living here in West Seattle. There's like yeah. old guys just running up the hill and shit. I'm like, God, that's dude, inspiring. I gotta get my shit together, you know? Like, okay, so that that's another little life hack. Surround yourself by people who inspire you. Oh, yeah. Like, part of the reason why we love these relationship workshops, it's not because we're, I mean, we are into it, but I'm seeing 80 year olds that are up, that are like in love like they're in, like they're high schoolers. Like, it's, it's kind of like, what the f? <laughs> It's no different than seeing like a seventy-year-old kick your ass up the mountain. Yeah. You're know, just like just yeah. just walk. And I'm like, what do you do? Like, give me your secret. Like, what? What? How do I? My grandpa is on a freaking cane. Yeah. And exactly. you here you are like kicking my ass on the mountain. Yeah. Like, I want to know what steps you took in life to get to your point. It's no different. So like, kind of you are who you surround yourself by, and that's that's you got it's it's harsh. Uh, but you gotta surround it's yourself not harsh. by that. It's totally true. What's well, the biggest, I think, thing that changed my life was you're the sum of the ten people you surround yourself with. I even heard five before, but you're sure. Some, yeah. I mean, if you have a five or ten, I mean that. Yeah. Whatever your circle 10. is, it influences you, right? Yeah. And where I grew up, like, yeah, I looked at my circles, like, shit, yeah, I was in the wrong. You know, that's. I I don't know why I wanted to move to Missoula after college. I said I'm or out of Montana. I said I need to leave. Yep, my mom's like, yep, why? Yep. I don't know. I need to leave, and. Really, what I think my brain was telling me because I wanted to be successful is like I need a new circle, right? My circle is yes. not getting the job done. And sometimes uh, friends will come back to you. I've had friends um, that I feel like I lost forever, and then it's just because your reoccurring stories changed, um, and like how you know each other, like you, it's kind of like if um, have you, it's like you know me, you you know me based off how I interact with you. But if I showed up and all of a sudden I was just I literally was different. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good example. I showed up and I was just some hardcore guy into like magic cards all of a sudden. <laughs> you might be like, this isn't the Zach I want to hang out with. And then we would probably drift apart nope. because I'm, I'm literally into something else. That's actually what happens is I think a lot of, a lot of us, especially younger folks, they start to think about their career. They start to think about they, they want to get into like certain tech. They want to get into certain career levels. And their best friends from elementary, middle school, high school, college – they're not on that same path. Different and values. Then, and then you're, so now you're confronted. Like, well, they're my best friends. I can't leave them behind. And it's like, well, sometimes it's like it's okay. It's not about blessing and releasing, but it's it's about letting it be. You just got to be happy. You can still be friends. You know, the biggest thing, I mean, you know this as a manager, is you can't tell people what to do or how to live their life. Yeah. So if yeah. you can find a middle ground, you can still be friends, fine. But maybe, you know, like... My best friend from my childhood, he, he yep. still lives in Wyoming, and like we don't connect. We're not hanging out all the time, but he's still my best friend, right? And I still respect him, and we still respect each other. I don't know why we're still like that, and I think we will our whole life. Yep. So, I mean, there's just different types of friendships and different things. I mean, yep. life drifts people apart. It is just what yep. it is. My, my actually, uh, two, two of my best friends from college, we, I, we wouldn't be friends today if we met. 
<laughs> um, that happens a lot. We're, we're different people, and but I also love them, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, I I would do anything for them, and but I also don't I don't hang out with them all the time. We're just different people. But I also have like this big. It's no different than your family, man. I'm sure some of you oh, guys have oh, sisters yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> brothers, and it's like I don't really want to spend time with you, but I still love you. you I know? like uh, trying to understand where they're coming from, though, because. You know, for me, what I'm starting to realize is like there's not one way to skin a cat, right? Everyone has different values and what they want. There's different ways of living. So I like to understand why. Like for me, I wanted out of this small town. Some people are way more happy living there than I ever will be. Yeah. They're just at such peace. I want to understand where they're coming from with that, right? And it's not nice to understand where people's values are and what they enjoy and those types of things because it can open your eyes up to just different ways of doing things. That's true. No, that's, yeah. Yeah. Whew. Thanks for letting me go on that side tangent there. Yep. Know. So I know I've had you for quite a while, so I'm going to buzz through a few different things, and then I'm yeah. going to ask you a couple questions. Um, you talked about getting into the management job at Payscale. Mm -hmm. How long were you in management before you got the director job? Uh, I probably, hold on, 34, uh, two, three years, three years. And how long were you the director there? Uh, about a year and a half. Why did you leave after such a good career? If I were to start at SmartSheet at 40 people, went to management <laughs> director, I'd be like, damn, I, I found my spot. Yeah. What, did you feel like you wanted something more? You wanted to challenge yourself? What was the two, pivot? Two things. Uh, do you know Steve, at uh, the manager at Smart, SmartSheet? Steve Hammond? Uh, no. Um, gosh, what's his last name? It's pretty generic first names. Yeah, he's a CDM manager. He's a CDM manager. Um, but there's a um, Steve Hammond that's a CDM manager. No, it's not him. Probably not then. Yeah. Okay. Well, so yeah, sorry for the listeners. Who the hell is Steve Hammond? Um, so there's a guy named Steve that applied at Payscale, uh, that ended up working at Smartsheet and he might marry him, may not be there. I don't know. It's been a you know, year and a half. Um, and he applied and he's an older gentleman. He's like, you know, I think it's a little bit of, it's funny cause we worked in comp and it's, you know, there, but there's a little bit of ageism. And the excuse we used, uh, with the reason we didn't hire him, everyone, I loved him. I, I thought he was great. But like, well, he has too little, too much year. He has, he, he has like 20 years of experience at one company. We want someone more, more versatile and more like less stuck in their ways. And what they were really saying is this guy's like 50 years old and yeah. we're all 25. And, um, cause his resume was spotless. I'm like, so the only reason you're not hiring him is cause he's been, he's been at one company for too long. Wait a minute. I've been almost here. I've been here for almost 10 years. Like that's the trajectory I'm on and <laughs> half of you motherfuckers have been here for 10 years as well. So that kind of caused me a little bit of like, huh, like maybe there's this balance of like ten seniority and tenure at a company mixed with, I don't want that to cause issues for me because as, after a while I started, I was growing up at this company. I joined Payscale when I was like 23 years old and here I am like 31 or 32 now. Like, wow. Like I only know Payscale, you know? Like Payscale is the way you do it. And that kind of caused a little bit of red flags to go off my, my mind. I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe I should start kind of being open. Okay. And then second, um, and, and uh, this is important. The reason I'm telling you this longer story is it's oh, important, <laughs> is we hired our, our senior vice president of sales. Uh, she didn't really, you know, candidly, um, I had a role in this, but she didn't really know what she was doing. You know, she was a more of a, a politician, if you will, right? And so when it came to like asking for help or personal growth, she was more interested in phrasing things to the board and less about. So when you, I asked her about certain concerns that I have, it was more about optics mm -hmm. and how things looked. Um, so long story short, I started to get very agitated 
and I started to become, it became very, go back to choice, right? I, I, I was refusing to choose that this is the way. And she was somewhat newer. Um, but long story, I, I started to kind of be a thorn in her side. I started to kind of question everything. I started to get, lose a lot of faith. I started becoming very resentful and I started becoming very like frustrated that like, um, that things weren't really the case. And after a while I, I, I was becoming, I, there's, a, do you want to be a right or do you want to be effective? And I was choosing being right over effective. And I was more busy. I was more concerned about trying to prove my boss wrong, that her decisions were not helping the company than trying to just work with her. And uh, long story short, so she essentially just fired me. And uh, it was very, it was a bloodbath. It was very, very ugly uh, because you can argue like, well, I was false, falsely fired. Um, but at the same time, I also probably would fire me as well because I was probably, <laughs> I was really annoying. Like I was the guy, cause like, you know, I don't know if anyone, any, if there's any managers ever listening to this, nothing's worse than having like an employee just constantly just nitpick all the time. And at some point you're like, get on the boat or hop off the boat. And I wasn't getting on the boat. Even if the boat, I had that issue before. <laughs> even, even if the boat was going off the waterfall and guess what? The boat did go off the waterfall when I left. They, um, since I've left, the entire company got replaced. They downsized the entire company by half. Like, so I did see that it's not that I was right, but I still lost my job prematurely. It ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me though. Um, and, um, I got promoted because I had that original champion that was supporting me and, and, and like literally took a stand and put a stake in the ground, like put this guy in a position because he can, he can, he's a, he's a voice of the people, you know, and you probably know, know me as that way at Smartsheet, mm -hmm. but candidly, I got really present that that's where I started to really get, uh, think about the whole polar bear and the lion concept of like making sure I'm surrounding myself. Like really what is like my, my drive? Because I made it to the director level. And once I got to the director level, I start, I actually forgot about the, you start to forget the impact you have on people's lives. You start to, what you say ripples and you can't just flippantly say shit at a company when you're a senior level position, even if you're right. And I start, I wasn't taking responsibility for the words coming out of my, out of my mouth. So that's we, something I'm definitely learning. Focusing yeah, and, and it doesn't matter. And by the way, it doesn't matter. You could be right, but if you really want to make a difference in the world, uh, you're not going to make a difference if you're always getting fired. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, so so I had this choice of like, well, I'm just saying what everyone's already thinking. Like, yeah, but eventually you're going to lose your platform, and you're going to you're going to be deprovisioned, if you will, or silenced or cut off if you're saying something in a way that's incendiary. And I wasn't taking responsibility for how I was showing up because I was like, this is the way, you know, mm -hmm. and it was truth. Uh, but I wasn't enrolling other people on my team. Now, <clears throat> how would you go from director level at a company that's blown up to a manager? Because you went straight to management Smartsheet, right? Correct. Yeah. <clears throat> how did you do that? And was that something you were totally cool with? Because did you start with Smartsheet as a public company or pre-IPO? Pre-IPO. Pre Okay, yeah. so they weren't even public yet. No. Why did you do that? Um, well, I got fired, so it was nice to have a, it was nice to, it was nice to have a job. You know? So it was nice to have a job after that because I was like, oh, I should probably get a job. Um, 
So I took my six month, uh, six weeks severance package because it was nice being in a direct level position. So I got a nice, uh, good severance package and probably could have negotiated for more. But um, and then Smartsheet was hiring actively in 2016. They weren't public yet. Uh, so I'm like, yeah, I'll take, you know, I'll take a, I'll, I'll, I'll hop down to hopefully go back up. Um, I didn't really know anything about Smartsheet at all. I thought it was, you know, Excel on steroids. And, um, but uh, I, I guess I just, I don't know that, I don't know what I did. I just interviewed and they gave you a shot. They gave me a shot. But I think going from a director to a sales manager was a bit of an ego blow for me. But my, my ego was already shocked. So I, I got, I thought I was invincible at, at Payscale because I was there for eight years. I, I thought I was on like the executive track there. And um, so I think, um, I I don't I don't know I they they just they I guess they hired me and um I I how did you, you know. deal with the ego blow because I think you know an individual like myself definitely still trying to tame that and figure that out and I'm sure a lot of people that would be listening are so you know how were you able to just manage that were you totally fine it was just an easy thing did you have help from <laughs> other people like hey just consider it did you have a good mentor or how did that work um. No, I don't think I did have a good. I, I think I was. I realized my part in it, but I wasn't done learning. And I think uh, for proof of that, I joined Smart Sheet, and Smart Sheet is a little bit more black tie. You know, just as a good analogy, it's a little more buttoned up, a little more professional. Um, and that's 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 okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But you go from like a quirky, fun pay scale comp and selling to HR, very bubbly and very like you know, power of the people, you know, voice of the people and we're helping people's livelihoods and blah, 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 blah to like, like operational success management and streamlining, you know, you know, task. And it's, it's, it's a little bit more pragmatic if you will. And, um, so I, I, I think I, I came out of like, look, I'm not going to be a righteous asshole here, at, at, but I will, but but I ran into a whole set of other uh, other challenges, and I wasn't done learning. And I think now that I've looked back on it, I needed the culmination of experience with PayScale and Smartsheet to get to where I am now, where I feel like I'm crystal clear on what I want to create in my life. And sometimes I think we think like, oh, I, I had to have that experience so I can do this. And sometimes it's, that's all it is. But I've um, at Smartsheet, I was still I was still a bit I was still a bit uh, stuck on being right and you probably have you probably have seen me do like group group um i don't know group rallies around the you know you got a vibe of kind of what i'm about um i'm definitely a manager of like the voice of the people i like to kind of talk about uh infinite possibilities and making sure people really buy into the mindset uh versus the management that i was engaged with was like do you do x y and z and that's what you do period and um, I wasn't done. I wasn't really done. I think learning, and I think uh, I resist. I resisted a lot culturally at SmartSheet, and um, it, it ended up not working out for me either. There. So I think it's just. I think through that you can still have a lot of success and career growth. You talk to any CEO. You talk to any millionaire. You talk to anyone that's uber successful. Every single one of them will give you time after time after time where they were kicked out you know shut down fired failed bankrupt. I feel like you have to do that to learn right yeah like or else i mean it's like the idea of that no there's no oscar winner awesome award-winning movie that's like yeah dude i woke up 
and I was super successful and became rich. End the movie. Hero's journey, baby. <laughs> Hero's journey, baby. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, like um, I had to kind of create my own suffering, I suppose. No, but no, there's a lot of truth to that. I think because I think, um, you know, people are like, well, it doesn't sound like you have that much success if you keep getting, you know, he has a hard time. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I, I feel like uh, I. You have to be able to fail. You think you said fail forward. Yeah. Yep. And I'm constantly putting myself in a position to fail. If you're only up to winning, you're going to live a life of safety zone. And you're going to be nice and cozy in your little bubble. But if you want to challenge your thought process, challenge and grow beyond, you have, you can't, I guarantee you, like someone, uh, I don't know, email Shane and I'll have a debate with you. If you think of one example where you've grown that didn't come off of challenge. Like it's impossible. How do you, you can't build muscle unless you're uncomfortable. It's, imp- it's physically impossible. If that, that, that's why I think sports and working out and physical transformation is such a beautiful metaphor because it applies to every aspect of mm-hmm. life. And it's not that you should go out looking to self-sabotage yourself. <laughs> no, not at all. But I think you should also, um, you have to be able to be willing to look back and realize your part in it all. Because I didn't going back to pay scale i had a choice i would still work there today if i just went with the flow but you have to decide when do you go with the flow versus when do you resist no different than picking up a weight if i want to go with the flow and just not have any challenge i just let the weight fall to the ground are you going to build any muscle doing that nope nope no different than your career don't misinterpret me though and think that you should cause shit at your work all the yeah, time. <laughs> don't do that. And then after a smart sheet, Polly, right? Polly AI. That was what, awesome. What, I really what, liked that what, company. What was the product there? That was awesome. They were really cool automation software in Slack. It was so cool. You're able to like essentially like uh, you can like chat somebody like, hey Shane, I'm working on this project, and you would hashtag your customer, and then or you would, and then you have certain lingo like, hey Shane, I just implemented at this company. And if you say implementation and at this company, it would automatically trigger like the implementation workflow process. Mm. And it would integrate with Smartsheet, things like that. It was really, really cool. Slack, it was like essentially Slack automation. So you can trigger workflows via Slack. It was amazing. Uh, I was kicking butt, we're doing great. I even had a chance to travel to Europe a couple times and yeah, we were able to do some really cool stuff there. It went to the UK uh, and... Um, not what was the place for um uh uk what's the country next to that i don't even know what i'm thinking <laughs> I i've Ireland? only been to canada I know. mexico so. now i'm like yeah i'm not a world whiskey, travel whiskey's hitting me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, anyways but, you're you know, anyhow we went to europe and it was it was it was phenomenal it was a global company it was amazing and uh yeah but it, but then the COVID hit like right at the, in the beginning of march uh, you pulled up on a map. Yeah. Was the state? Yeah. Is it Denmark, Czech, Slovakia, Romania, France, Ireland. That no, was Ireland. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry, that yeah, was Ireland. I was like, um, and I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Ireland. Um, but no, it, it was it was an amazing opportunity. But there, you know, again, a startup company. So when I left Smartsheet, public company, I the reason I like PayScale is I like this grindy. I like the creativeness. I like being able to have open playing field of like, oh, you want to go over there? Go check it out. It goes back to everything I was saying this entire podcast, man, of like what I'm up to is exploration. I like to be able to uh, play on a field that has a lot of – that doesn't have a lot of out-of-bounds. 
And I, yeah. And what happened there? Did they just downsize because of COVID or what? Uh, so, you know, they're very limited funding. It was a startup with 18 people. Oh, okay. You know, they, you know, they hired a head of sales. I was got a nice, nice high salary. It was a, part of the reason I was able to leave Smartsheet. I, uh, I actively left Smartsheet. Um, and the part of the reason I left early is because my they doubled my salary. <laughs> so when someone's like, hey, you want 2x your salary? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I took it. There was about a year. Um, COVID hit, and he's like, "Yeah, dude, I don't, I'm sorry. We, I, he, candidly, we just can't afford you anymore. Yeah. We need to like scale back." And I was like, "Yeah, you know what? Get it. it's. I took your risk coming here. No problem." Um, and took I took the yeah, summer off. Took the summer off. Yeah. And then you're where? Well, uh, I'm at, now I'm at a place called. Uh, so we do our a lot of online workshops, a lot of coaching. We do that so for money, and then we also do um, my wife's retail business. Then I work at a small startup of like six people called better comp so back in the comp space baby so what's the yeah. idea with that same thing is just we help uh companies essentially manage their compensation portfolios surveys understand how to make well, why the decisions. hell did you go there from a double pay salary and taking the summer off huge i'm working for half the pay right now yeah so why would um, you do that you got um, two kids you got your wife um she's already put the team on her back before happiness really just freedom um, is it because it's a, de- a step back to take multiple steps forward, though? Uh, or is it strictly just peace of mind? Um, both. A um, little bit of peace of mind. Huge upside. I'm kind of a, I have a very, my personality type is very high risk, high reward. But I have also put a nest egg to myself where we were able to, we were fortunate enough because of sales to buy our own house and level up that way. And um I've been able, I'm very highly diversified in my stock portfolio, so I've been able to be really aggressive. And I've What's been the best that. investment move? You talked about all these investments. What's the best move? <clears throat> this is not financial advice. I think you'll say that. Um, but it is. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, it, it, yeah. It's so what, a lot of people did, don't yeah. invest, Yeah. right? I mean, shit, I'm barely just getting well, the investment. I'm almost 30 years old. That's what I, I had no coaching right or advice on investing. Yeah. So if a listener's like, damn, dude, I'd like to start investing. Yeah. What's what's something that you you really passionate about that you're really into that's done well? Is it just sure. stock portfolio? Well, well, before I even say that, there's 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 uh, maybe three. There's two things I I want to be really clear about. One, decide the type of investor you are. What I mean by that is there's there's a couple of different, there's three different types of investments. It's really obvious. There's long term, like so your Amazon, your I, I don't know, like may, maybe Tesla's more midterm because we don't really know what the long term future of Tesla is, but like. Companies like Amazon, like I bet my second born, my third born child that um, that Amazon's not going away anytime soon, right? So you could put money into Microsoft or Amazon, and there's they're they're going to be around probably in 10, 15, 20 years. Okay, then you have your midterm uh, uh, investments, which is like a smart sheet, or it's like you know it's a it's a, they IPO'd three years ago. Who knows? They might get acquired. They might buy you know another company. Who knows? It's like it's more like let's just kind of keep a year uh, an eye on it for a year to year. Then you have your short term companies that you want to like dollar one to seven dollar stocks that you want to check out. So you got to decide: are you a short, mid, long term investor, or you want to be highly diversified in both? Second one is this is advice: conviction. You got to believe in the company. And candidly, again, I'm not a financial advisor. This is only my opinion, but I've been very successful. I've been able to I've been able to triple my portfolio. Only because I only buy companies that I truly uh, believe in that will be around, and I think there's a long-term vision. What I uh, what I really what I really like is I look you have to skate where the puck is going. So the wait, the famous Rain Gretzky quote quote like Why do you always have the competitive advantage? Well, I just skate where the puck is going, not where it's been. 
So one of the companies I really personally like is a company called uh, Alpine. Uh, it's called Alpine Battery Technologies, I think. It's AL, a, no, ABML, uh, Alpine Battery, something like that. ABML is the ticker. They just opened up a brand new um, facility near, I think it's in, it's either in, it's in Nevada, I believe. It's near one of the Tesla brand, uh, uh, locations and they recycle lithium batteries. Mm. And right now about 100,000 tons of lithium batteries are recycled in the U.S. every year. This new plant is going to do 20,000 uh, tons of those. So 20% of the entire country's recyclability is going to come out of one single plant from this one company. It's a $3 stock, man. So I bought it. Uh, and I think it's going to, it's going to blow up. Another good one I bought was ALPP, Alpine Technologies, which is a renewable electric energy, uh, for city grids. Very topical right now, given Texas's situation. <laughs> yeah, Jesus um, but the, I love the, you know, you know, how many Californians moved there that this uh, happened. I kind I of know. like, ha <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it's horrible. I feel so I feel so I bad for some of the people. So but 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 to your point though, it's like it's like, dude, you gotta like it's like it's another good point. You gotta invest in the infrastructure. But the reason you mentioned investments, I bought that for two eighty, and it's at nine dollars last week. Damn. So I tripled my money in one week. You know, um, yeah, it's a whole other, a whole other story. But like, I just I have my hands in a lot of here. I just try to go with the idea of like. Don't overextend yourself, but put yourself in situations where it's okay to fail. And like maybe that's more of a life lesson. Is ju- I just try to put myself in positions where it's okay to fail. And you mentioned like I'm like a Swiss, Swiss Army Army knife. Great. If you need a steak, I can cut it. If you want to open a <laughs> bottle, I can do it. I try to put yourself in a position where you. This is actually this is a good way to think about it. I want to always be able to take advantage of an opportunity. It's as simple as that. I don't want to be a one-trick pony. You know, I think uh, there's this myth that, like, specialization is key. I think that's completely wrong nowadays. Be a master of one or a jack-of-all-trades? I think a, I think a jack-of-all-trades is, uh, if you look at successful people, they're jack-of-all-trades. Why? Because the world is more and more, I think that was truth to that. We live in a world, unless you're choosing to live in a more singular world where you want to be, like, isolated, like on a farm somewhere, but we live in a world that's hyper-connected, hyper engaged and you need to be able to be nimble and if you're not flexible and you can't make decisions quickly you're just putting yourself in a position to fail so 100%. that that's kind of how i view all this stuff so you mentioned like this job like well is it like two steps back to go three steps forward so yes but but if i if it fails and we run out of money and we just shut down the company it's not i'm not like my life is not dependent on a, a company you know I have uh, my stocks. I have my land investments. I have like, and I just, it's like you keep making little micro things over and over again. When was, what age were you when you first invested either property or stock? 23. And you've been doing it ever since pretty consistently? Yep. Yep. In fact, I got my niece into it. She's uh, 22. I'm like, boo, you put a hundred bucks away every month. Even I'm telling you, man, I would die if I, if I, 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 in a good way. (laughs) I would like, if I could do it all over again, man, I just, it's, there's one thing that, especially the the land and housing market, it's the one, one thing that's guaranteed. You could even argue about the stock market, actually. The stock market has actually never gone down in aggregate. Sure, it crashes, but even if it crashes, it's, even the stock market crash, it still has tripled since then. Mm-hmm. So, 
it's long term. It it's uh, don't have paper hands. Have you heard that phrase? No. Paper hands are the people who just sell the second they are losing money. Mm. You know, um, you, you have to have this balance of being able to take advantage of quick things and 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 you don't and not going to the next shiny thing. But you also have to think long term. So it's like you have to find that balance of being able to take action, but also create roots. Um, and be and and set yourself in a position where you can actually fail ten times because if you hit one, then you make up for it all. So, all right, ready for some quick hitters? Let's do it, baby. Tell us about one of your darkest and hardest times that you pushed through. Maybe you already have, but I doubt it. No. In your professional career, where you're just like, oh, Holy do- fuck. oh, not personal. Or it could be personal. Hmm. <clears throat> where you're just in a rut. You're like, holy shit. Well, I didn't go through like all the emotional trauma. Like there was some like legit like PTSD when I left Payscale because I, I it caught me off guard. And I candidly like I understand my part in it, but it was you know it it was some you know I I had an identity crisis when I left Payscale, um, and I had some of the biggest health struggles of my entire life after that because I you know. Your mental, like mental health, or like actual no, physical health. Both mental and physical health is direct. Mental health is directly tied to your physical health, you know. Um, and I was so I was it, it was I was so lost and so stressed out that I wasn't sleeping because I had major. Then I had like I was like had major apnea issues. I had major chronic headaches. It was it was horrible. Um, no, but I'm gonna tell you a different story. I think the, the, the <laughs> okay. I think the, the the biggest one I had was there was a time where I was so busy, I was caught up in like the whole like hot shot sales world that I was drinking like seven days a week, you know. And uh, you want like the real hard stuff? Yeah. When was yeah. this? Uh, probably in my prime at Payscale. So I was like, yeah. Imagine like <laughs> imagine like the imagine like wolf of wall street kind of like cokehead you know i was like that kind of guy i was like i was drinking nonstop, going to happy hours every single day driving drunk home making fucking ton of money you know i was making at least 200k a year when i was like 25 making big money you know and uh and uh i don't even want to know what i would be doing if i was yeah i know i was just like and uh, I was doing everything, and I was just uh, I was drinking all the time. I would get home, I would drive home drunk, stop by the store, grab another fifth, and you could say like, "Well, you're an alcoholic." I'm like, "Well, I don't know. I drink maybe like once a week, so I don't." You tell me, but um, but I was drinking all the time to the point where I was starting fights with my wife. It was just I was just like a dick, you know, and to the point where my wife was and we had a one year old kid. And I thought she was like bogging me down, the kid. I was like, I was buying into this bullshit narrative that like I was the man making all the money and you should just be thankful. It was just a complete lie. Um, kind of an embarrassing time, honestly, in my life to the point where my wife's like, I'm out of here. So she was actually ready to leave me. But we part of the workshop, one of the things that we're encouraged to do is disclose all of your things you've been withholding, you know, uh, because when you're hiding something, Everything you, yeah, everything you do is dancing around something you don't want them to know. So she ended up cheating on me and went in Vegas. And she kind of already was going to like, she was already going to divorce me anyway. And candidly, man, like, oh, I can't believe she did that. I'm like, do you, don't. First off, I would have cheated on me. <laughs> like, I would have. Like, so I don't, um, 
And so, but anyhow, we had to go through that. It was really, really t- tough. Like, but I also had to dr- address a, a situation where I literally, I mean, I was, I was drunk every day, every day, you know, and uh, getting home like at nine o'clock. I had a, it was embarrassing. I was like, I was becoming that dad, like that would drive home drunk, stumble into the house with more drinks. Like it was, it's embarrassing, you know, it's like, God damn. Um, and yeah, my, yeah, my wife, she just, she was over it. So we, we had to like, we had to go through all that process. We had to really just kind of un- unload everything and kind of start again uh, and kind of relearn each other again. And I think that was like, I had a moment in time where I was like, this is, I think this is, this is like, this is the end of my life. And I actually felt like I was dying, um, metaphorically speaking. Um, but what's really sick and twisted about it is I don't think I would change it for the world. Cause I think I'm so much more connected and in love with her because we, we both realize our part in that, you know? And I think that's impressive. You, know, you guys were able to make it through that. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. So, and it goes back to the deal breakers. Like for me, her, her dad was an alcoholic though. So like for her, she was like, not having this, you know? Um, so yeah, that was probably that. I, I think that I actually feel really blessed. All that happened because now we're able to, I think, play the game a bit more fully. Well, thanks for sharing. That's a good story. Opposite end, who do you want to shout out of being your biggest inspiration and or motivator? Hmm. I'm like torn between two different people. You know, I'd probably say my mentor, uh, Lon Goldnick, uh, relationship by design. Yeah, I think he... He's like a, a wise sage. He's like 80 years old. And uh, I think he really got me clear on, I think everyone should have a mentor. If you don't have a mentor, go find one. Like they, it sounds very like. What's your version of a mentor? What is that? Because me- I think not a lot of people, for me, until I realized I was being mentored, didn't really know what that was. A mentor isn't advice. A mentor is teaches you wisdom in my, in my definition of it. Um, so for me, what a mentor is, is someone that teaches you way to live a life that is is engaged fully with life and uh and that includes all aspects of life you could have a career mentor or a life mentor so for me it's more of a life mentor and he got me really clear on all the upsets all the things that i desired all the things that were causing me problems all the frictions all the angst all the things he got me really clear on why I felt that it was missing or why I felt that I was upset. And that was really, I think, really, like to him, for someone like that that had that impact on my life, uh, and, and, a mentor, and he calls me out on the bullshit. Like he has no problem. Just uh, there's an agreement with us, you know, that he, he will call me out on my bullshit. I think that's so important. Yeah, it's really, really important. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. Shout out. Yep. If you could simply give a life tip slash life hack to the audience, what would it be? Ooh. You know, this is not going to be surprising to you, and it's like it probably won't be very satisfying. Um, Might resonate with somebody. Yeah. No, this is everyone ready? No. Go, uh, the nature, no, no, uh, know the, know the, the design and the function of being a human. And what I mean by that is we, 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 we live life like something out there is going to solve something. You 
And I think uh, one of the biggest things that's offered me peace is realizing what Zach, like you gotta look, it's like looking in the mirror, man. Like it's, it's cliche shit. It's nothing like special for me, but I'm a big fan of the Enneagram. So if you haven't checked it out, check it out at the Enneagram Institute. What it is, is it, it asserts that everything you do is based off of a core fear and a core, literally everything. The jobs you choose, the things you run away from, the things you do, the games you play, the things you eat, everything is a core thing that Shane desires and Shane fears. And once you are clear on that, whenever you are feeling like you're trapped or stuck or in the rut or you're in your you're in your perfect zone flow state you can be like ah i see what that is so the, the so get get really curious on what's in the background inside of you versus thinking something externally will solve your problems yeah that's kind of good. meta and deep man i know sorry no, that's good yeah let me think yeah so 38 years old, husband, two kids. 36. 36. Whoa. Oh, you aged two years already. Um, you've taken this new job, small company. How are you able to keep going and grinding? What what keeps pushing you? Because I, I think even at 20 years, you know, like 10 years from now, it's like, damn, would I want to do something like that? You know, I have no idea what's going to happen in 10 years, but like yeah. props to you for just keeping, you know, busting ass. What keeps you going? Is it the family? Is it? just the way you are or what yeah i think well besides i have no choice i mean i mean i do have a choice i guess yeah, I why don't you have, a choice? Yeah, I <laughs> you have all the choices i mean that's like like what keeps me going besides the bang energy that you drink before. i know <laughs> i trust me i don't need caffeine bro i don't need caffeine you know i think um what it what, what keeps me going i want to get really i want to give you on hold on let me think about that for a second i would say It's like the possibility. Like there's like um this again, this is I'm very clear on why it's different for me than it is for you. But I always feel like there's something more to squeeze out of life. And I'm all what where my core value prop is for me is kind of FOMO. And I'm really clear on that. Is I I feel like I want to get I want to ex, I, I value experience and it's not always a good experience. And I feel like like I want to experience what it's like to snow camp. And it's like, that doesn't sound very comfortable. I know it doesn't sound very comfortable, but I want to experience that. So one of the things that keeps me going is getting clear on things I want to at least try and making myself do all, all those things at some point. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, you can say the, the cliche things like my wife and my kids and things like that. But I will say that I'm, I'm very present. I'm very present to my, my children um, and being able to, it's like everything we do as parents is like, over it overcompensates like i do things for my child just because i didn't get him as a, as a kid but by me doing that he'll probably do things for his kid that he never got as a child so it's just kind of i get really it's kind of i laugh at the at the the redundancy of the the loop that we're in for yeah. sure do you have an end goal nope what's your do you have any goals right now that you're really striving for yeah, I think I do. I would like to live a life where I could have, um, through my investments. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I have been thinking about that a lot, actually. I've one of the things that keeps me up is at night is I think just uh, the future of where we're headed as, as a as a as a society. Like, 
like uh, in terms of how we produce income, like what does the economy look like? You know, think about like uh, investments and I think about cryptocurrencies, all these things, not because I'm like, I want to get into crypto and like it's a fun investment thing, but I legit do think about in the spirit of skating to where the puck is going, I do think a lot about what the end goal is or what I want to get out or what I have to want to do is it, I would love to be able to put myself in a position to have the, the flexibility to do what I want when I want to do it. I mean, it's the whole financial freedom thing, man. But everyone wants that. Everyone wants that. I know. I, I guess I have know. you always wanted that. Everyone wants that, but they want it while playing GTA. That's the difference. I am. <laughs> I'm okay not playing GTA. So, I'm okay living in a tiny home to have that. That's the reason why we went from 3,400 square feet down to 1,250. I I'm okay with not having the boat and the Lambo because I got really clear on, on, for me, it's experience. I would rather rent for the rest of my life. I don't rent right now. Just give you an example for $600 a month and be able to travel Europe and do all those things every single, all year long versus having the massive mansion and all that. You know what I mean? All that. Oh, for I'm sure. trying, it's like, so for me, it's just finding, it's being able to, to have the freedom to, to move around a little bit. And I'm okay making, so it's like, okay, a good, good example. Sorry, you know, you're like, no, you're good. but like making, is it better to make 60 grand a year and live debt-free with no mortgage, no rent, or make $500,000 a year with a $4,000 or $5,000 mortgage? I don't know. So it's just trying to get really clear on all that. And I don't, I, don't, I don't have the answer for that already. I'm only 36. A lot so. of people don't know until they fucking pay for the mortgage, right? Serious? <laughs> well, okay, so that's the reason I... So I've had both, man. I've, I paid... So right now, you know, we pay like... I paid 1200 bucks for a mortgage before. Can you believe it? Uh, and then I paid all. I paid up to almost five thousand a month. Jesus! With after all the bills, it's crazy. Where was this? Uh, this is a. This is in Redmond. We had yeah, a you know, Redmond. Yeah, huge, huge house. It was ridiculous, man. Yeah, I was trying to. But I was trying to keep the joints. I missed the. It was a beautiful A-frame cabin like house, thirty-four hundred square feet, a huge acre lot. It was like, I mean, huge it's, acre lot. Yeah, it, was it like, just sounds funny because where I come from, like. I'm sure what your mortgage was, you could probably have like a thousand acres. <laughs> this I huge know. Acre, acre, but in the city, yeah, yeah it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. So, so yeah, it's crazy. But you do miss it. I, I, I miss it, but I don't miss the upkeep because yeah. I couldn't afford a maid. So, yeah. it was a lot, of, a lot of upkeep, upkeep. Yeah. Last question I got for you, Zach. What habits have you forced yourself to grow out of, if any? Man, there's some, yeah, I, it's funny. I feel like I have an answer, but it's like kind of too. I, I sometimes I, give, I I feel like I I come at a risk of being too deep or too meta. So I'm trying to be more. There's no explicit. such thing as that in this um, podcast. I appreciate that. What habits? Um, We've only talked for damn near. This might this is probably the longest one this far. Oh re- really? I mean, we're I pushing. It, well, when, is that when a good we thing? Start too? Well, is that a good thing or a bad no, thing? That's a good know. thing. Um, I would. It might say, be a bad thing when you go home. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> nah, we're good. We're good. Um, Dude, I'm gonna sound like a broken record, man. I really am, but it's just not believing. It's like okay, so, so ask me that question one more time, just I think I want. To, I Is there any it. habits that you force yourself to grow out of, if any? Yeah, believing, believing, believing something I don't want to be true. Um, I'll try to rephrase that not buying into the lie 
that something is true that I don't, that I, goes back to the choice. I don't have a choice is the biggest lie I think we tell ourselves. You always have a choice. And I think we live our lives like we don't have a choice. And someone, someone might be listening to this and saying, well, I have cancer, I don't have a choice. Yeah, you choose cancer. And that sounds, you're like, what the fuck did you say? <laughs> and I'm saying someone that has, we've had family, I've had people in my family who die, from, so I'm, I'm speaking from a personal experience of not personally having cancer. But what I mean by that is, you have cancer, now what? The more you try to fight not having it is more suffering. And I'm, I say that, I, I use that as a hyper, hyperbolic example. But what I mean by that is one of the biggest habits is we act like, don't buy into like, well, that's just who I am. I'm someone who's abrasive. I can't, I can't change who I am. You're essentially, what you're really asking for, I live my life like I'm just a loud, energetic guy that has an opinion. And if you can't deal with it, suck it up. I guess you can't handle it. And I've heard people talk like that. Oh, I've talked sure. like that. I, it's not my fault people can't handle my energy. So what you're really saying is everyone should bend who they are to be to fit your needs, right? Like it's just a, it's such a selfish way to live. So I think one of the habits I've started to dump is believing that this is just who I am. What I'm essentially lying to myself saying is I don't have the ability to change because I have a default way of being of being automatically impulsive and comment and making comments about things or uh, kind of that knee-jerk, spontaneous squirrel, you know, like, oh. Saying what's on top of your mind. Yeah, just being very kind of sporadic. But once I kind of realize that I have a feeling, that feeling's come up, I can, once you're aware of it, then you can choose to interact with it differently. Um, so I, uh, it goes back, it goes back to like, you know, the Enneagram or self-knowledge or knowing what a relationship is. It's like, it's all that. It's all repetitive in the sense that the biggest hat, like just, just realize that you always have a choice. And if you, if you say you don't have a choice, that's a choice. That's all. Um, and just see what happens. Just kind of like sit with that for a second. Um, yeah. And I don't mean to make your podcast all super deep and meta. No, but, that's yeah. good. I mean, yeah. Someone might hear this and take away that could change their life. You never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's that that's for me. I think that's one of the biggest things that are really really impactful. So now I did forget I asked you at the start. Yeah. If there was a good sales experience or customer oh, yeah, service baby. experience you've run across, I'll start with mine. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do a segment with everybody on the business episodes end of the show. Best sales customer service experience is genuine experience because I don't think this could be shouted out enough. Because, yeah, maybe it's a job that's just a job for them, but they're going above and extra to make sure that the people that come into that business, because they don't own it, are giving a great sales experience and customer service, because these are the people that probably end up being successful. And I think it's really cool to see, because a lot of the time, you know, especially in a busy tech city like this, you know, things are different with COVID, but it's just like people are just trying to get you in and out and make more money, right? So yep. I enjoy a good, genuine customer service sales experience. And... For somehow, I've lived in West Seattle for two years, yep. this apartment in my studio, yep. and I never found it, this Husky Deli place in California. Like, the California is where all the strips of businesses are here. Okay. And it's right across the street from my favorite place, Tallarico's. Big, freaking sliced pizza. It's kind of a sports bar, good place. And it's right across the street. I never knew about it. It's kind of sneaky. Mm -hmm. 
but they have amazing sandwiches, good ice cream. I get breakfast burritos from there. It's like an amazing place because um, I love a good sandwich. Okay. And I've been there probably four or five times now, and they're super busy, and they just have this amazing experience, customer service experience. They're great salespeople. I think it's just an awesome place, and it's like definitely an old local place here. Okay. And I just enjoy them. That's probably why they're still in business. Yeah, Because yeah. they get that experience to everybody, right? It's not because they have a – like they make sandwiches. Like everyone can get a sandwich mm-hmm. somewhere. But it's just a fucking bomb place. So I wanted to give them a shout out for, for an sure. awesome experience. And I'll keep going back. Yeah. How about you? It. Oh, man. Uh, downtown Redmond, Washington. So sorry, guys, for not if you're not in Redmond, Washington. But Kringle's Bakery, owned by Mandy. I don't know her last name, but Mandy. She's amazing. She owns the place. It's one of those little houses that are converted into a bakery. Mm. You know, it's like, it's like, like, a, like a Seattle house, like an old house. Sit down the corner. It's like kind of just tucked away, like an up house that is... Uh, refuses to sell and it's like amongst all these commercial buildings you know and so it's kind of like this weird like um it kind of stands out like a not a sore thumb but a positive thumb or what's you know diamond in the rough and it's a, it's a little bakery coffee shop they make cakes pies pastries but what it is, is the second you walked in she's like hey what's going on what's your name and she always asks you and i don't know how she remembers but she remembers your name dude Every time. And like I feel like she remembered it on the first time. Maybe she has a note card. She has a photographic memory. I don't know, man. But the fact that she's local, she's near my house. The second you walk in, she's like, hey, Zach, how's the family? She acts like she knows my family. Now she does because we go in all the time. But the first few times she did that, I'm like, I was like kind of confused, but I was so like amazed and I'm like happy. That's she's probably like, why she's still in business. Exactly. Right? And I think it's people was it I think it was uh Dale Carnegie or something like that said like people like love to hear their name or something. And so she remembers your name and she literally asked about your family almost on cue. I freaking love it, man. There's something so special about that. And like in this world, like we're so hyper connected. Just to have that personal engagement goes above and beyond to me. And I think, you know, it, I have to use a real life example, like a brick and mortar like you did, because it's different than software. Cause you get, when you have like the lead forms, the numbers, the emails, <laughs> yeah. it's so it's LinkedIn. You ever, of course you know their name, but this is like, I walk in, I buy a coffee, I get a pastry. I don't know. And she takes the time to know my name. She remembers my name. Simply her remembering my name, single handedly guaranteed my return service. All she had to do is remember my name. And what's it called? Kringles, Kringles with a K, K like like, like a was it Chris Kringle? You know mm-hmm. the K, yeah. Uh, Kringles Bakery, and uh, she, uh, yeah, she, she's literally. I, I think I she has pictures on on the wall of her family, and she's owned this bakery for a long time. It's one of those like mom and pop type places. It's so cute, but it's so simple that just, hey Zach, how's your family? I'm like, I feel like I'm like a part of the. Com- I mean, I am a part of the community, but oh, just game over. I love it. I love it. You got to love yeah. the, the local shops. They're the ones that, you know, give us that sense of community. But, hey, that does it, man. What an awesome episode. Oh, we covered a lot of ground. I'm sure we'll have to have maybe you and your wife in on a little duo pod one of these days. Yes. Um, but I appreciate it, man. It means a lot. Oh, it was it was a pleasure being here. Thanks for putting up with my wide range of topics. It was that's, fun. That's why we had you on, my man. I love it. All right. Well, again, thanks. And uh, everybody... Uh, tune in to the business episodes we got coming out once a month and the sports episode every Wednesday I'll post Zach's socials to his wife's retail shop looking up some clothes because people can buy it anywhere I'm assuming yep, yep anywhere yeah. you want yep. and then um, check out your relationship what was the relationship company name by again? design Re- relationship by design hey man 
you know, I, I've been single for a little while, but if I ever go to a serious relationship, I might have to check it out. Seems I like love it's it. the real deal. So. Lo- love to have you. All right, man. Thanks again. All right, brother. Sweet. You're right. I, uh, I feel like we, I uh, forgot.